Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back to another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I am your host, Ken, and I'm joining me in studio, as always, it's the co-host, it's Padawan J. Uh, guys, there is a coaching vacancy in New York, and I know one guy who'd be good for the position. If you want to stay on the show, you don't utter that man's name. John Calipari. So Pat will be giving his farewell speech at the end of the show tonight, because I'm sure my fellow co-host here is going to have something to say. You know it. You know him. You know he's got a lot to say about the Knicks this week. It is your coach. It is my coach. It is the coach. Coach Duffy. As long as it's not Rick Pitino, I'm okay. I mean, I certainly don't want Kyle Perry, but genuine, Rick genuine question: Me not being a smartass, is he coaching these days, or is he kind of like on hiatus? No, he's on. He okay, ever yeah, since yeah. he left Louisville. Oh, okay, wasn't I think, sure. I think it was uh, who Dick Vitale said that uh, the Knicks should reach out to to him. Would okay, j- would joke. Yeah, it's not Van Gundy. I don't want to know about it. Yeah. Uh-huh. But we're going to deep dive into that a little later in the show, but you know how we kick off every edition during NFL season. We're going to go over our locks and leaps because we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports. So, obviously, hit us up on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. You can find the links to our social media accounts and use the hashtag ODPH to join in that conversation because it's locks and leaps time. A lot of action this week. The race for the chip is getting tighter and tighter between Padawan J and mm-hmm. Rich from 3FN. Tied again. If you go to our Facebook page, you can find who's on top of the leaderboard, and it's a tie right now, but Coach is making a resurgence. I'm hanging in there. Andy Adams is jumping back in the race. It's going to be a right down to the wire, but let's get into our picks, kicking off with Pad. Who'd you get this week? Well, for uh, my lock last week, I chose the Green Bay Packers to defeat the Washington Redskins because I figured, you know what, Green Bay, they're 9-3. and three. Uh, you got Washington, who was uh, two and nine. You know, I think the point spread was like Green Bay by like ten or more, or something absurd like that. I'm like, it's in Green Bay. Lord knows what the weather's going to be this time of year up there. I figure Green Bay is going to win. This game ended up actually being closer than it probably should have been. Uh, Green Bay ended up winning by the final score of twenty to fifteen. Dwayne Haskins, uh, sixteen of twenty-seven for one hundred and seventy yards passing, one touchdown, one interception, and then A.A. Ron Rogers, uh, eighteen of twenty-eight for one hundred and ninety-five yards. Uh, one touchdown, no interceptions. Coach, your thoughts on this? Yeah, they gave the rock to Jones and let him go. Uh-huh. I mean, normally it's Aaron Rodgers with having to do a bulk of the offense, you know, two to 300 yards passing, maybe 20 to 25 yards rushing, at least three touchdowns. That's typically the only way that the Packers win, and they were able to rely on Jones and run the ball, which obviously leads to a lower point score because yeah. the, the clock's running. I'll say if you had Aaron Jones in your fantasy football team during playoffs, uh, you're looking real good. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it definitely helps. Yeah, this is a, was a puzzling game for me at least because we figured on paper Aaron Rodgers was going to have a field day uh-huh. tearing through Washington, but they decided to flip the offensive route, and this was something that – we really haven't seen out of Green Bay in many seasons. Yeah, I would say. I mean, who was the last dominant runner they had on their offense? I mean, I can. The last guy I can think of that legitimately ran the ball more than fifteen times a game is Amon Green. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Because I mean, Ryan Grant was there for a, a, a stint, and I mean, there's been a couple of names through the pike. But I would say Amon Green's been the last one that was truly like the number one. Yeah, yeah like back. a Pro Bowl level yeah. running back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So to see them flip the offense like that and go that route was truly something to see. And for Aaron Rodgers, I mean, 195 and a touchdown is nothing to sneeze about, but Green Bay is playing at such a high level right now. 
that they are flying under the radar, in my opinion, behind you know, Seattle and, and San Francisco. I uh, I actually think the opposite. Okay. I think that this is a game that they should have gone out and just stuck it to Washington, being you know at home in Green Bay in Lambeau, playing in the cold. You got a rookie quarterback. You got a defense that's coming off. Um, you know, that has its ups and downs, so this should have been a game for them to fe- feast on. And, I mean, they did sack Dwayne Haskins four times on a bum ankle, but, uh, you know, I, I would have expected it at least 30 mm. out of Green Bay. Well, yeah, that's why I picked it. I'm looking at it going, all right, Washington ain't got nothing going for him. I mean, we were a couple weeks removed from Dwayne Haskins imploring his offensive line on the sidelines, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? <laughs> you know, and you just look at him, you go, all right, they got Adrian Peterson on, on the running side, which, okay, yeah, it's Adrian Peterson, but it's not Adrian Peterson of old. Yeah, they and really, they had guys too, and that didn't help at all. Yeah, I mean, you look at their receiving my fantasy team. You look at their receiving yeah. core. I mean, there's nobody in the receiving core on the in the box score that I look at. You know, and I got oh, I, you know what? I got to bookmark that name for next year in fantasy. I got to draft that guy. So you think it's got the recipe for like, all right, this is going to be a blowout barn burner that like any you know games are getting anywhere the game is getting shown, it's going to get switched for a more competitive game. Well, I'll actually, I mean, I'll say this as the you know. The Giants fan here, I'm, Daniel Jones is always going to be tied to Dwayne Haskins, sure. as that was the you know who do you pick here? Um, I think Haskins is actually kind of growing into his own a little bit. I mean, these aren't great performances, but they're not terrible. You know, they've won games that they weren't expected to win, considering that everybody did not peg them to win any games at this mm-hmm. point. Um, he's performing well. He's hurt right now with this ankle. That's slowing them down. Their offensive line is, I mean, for as much as I complain about the Giants, this offensive line is bad. It's atrocious. Yeah. It's real bad. Yeah. And and they're still able to run the ball, which is impressive. But, I mean, I've always heard, you know, from, like, NFL guys that, like, running the ball is the one way to get your offensive line into the game because it's just mindless blocking. You know, mm-hmm. it's just plug and play. So, you know, like, Haskins is playing well, and – if I'm Washington, I'm not like sitting here thinking, "All right, we got to go in next year draft another QB." I'm looking at this saying, "All right, we've got a, a piece that we can at least leverage and build around a little bit." You know, where do we need to go from there? Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting time moving in the off season. But like you said, Haskins has looked the part, has not looked the worst, and considering with the talent he has around him, I mean, he has an aging running back and Adrian Peterson. You can yeah. only do so much there. His wide receiver core is suspect. Yeah, McLaren's been hurt most of the year. You know, obviously they let pretty much everybody else go mm-hmm. um uh crowder gone you know so they let a lot of big you know fr- wide receiver free agents go weapons wise vernon davis is out for the year so i mean yeah they've got a lot of pieces missing that you know lead to poor performances yeah so you can't falter haskins for doing what yeah, he can, especially that's why it's like when people i mean as much as i give the giants a hard time it's like you can't rag on daniel jones for playing bad when saquon barkley's out evan ingram's out sterling shepherd's out Golden Tate's out. You know, like every yeah. week when you're playing with, you know, guys that were in, uh, you know, that probably should be playing in the XFL or were in the AFL, you know, you can't get mad at rookie quarterbacks for bad performances when no. they're playing with second-tier talent. No, definitely not. And it was a really interesting take about seeing Washington's defensive scheme really forcing the Packers to run the ball, which we don't really say that often, especially no. with Aaron Rodgers. 
I don't know if that was Washington or is it was so much Green Bay just saying we're, we're going to run the ball. I well, mean, well, you have to figure with Rodgers though; he's been known to really take over that offense himself. Well, that's so. For, yeah. So for him to call that, I mean, like I said, it was a really interesting. That secondary way is so it. bad though with Landon Collins back. There. I mean, listen, I love Landon Collins, <laughs> but he is he can't cover dirt exactly. at this point, at least from the safety standpoint. Like I've always been on the on the. Uh, fence uh, like or the the pet, the stand here saying he should be a middle linebacker like he could be you know just a, a hybrid like Adam Archuleta mm-hmm. comes to mind you know a guy who transitioned from safety to linebacker late in his career like that's what Landon Collins should be doing right now because I think he's physical enough to mix in the box but not quick enough to cover these guys in space definitely not quick I enough. mean the only thing I can think of with maybe why Green Bay flipped the script a little bit from what we'd expect from him is you know you look at Aaron Jones's stats uh, 16 carries 134 yards one touchdown averaged 8.4 yards per carry the only thing I can think is maybe they went in there with all right we're gonna have a balanced you know offensive game leaning pass a little more but then they you know they just started handing Aaron Jones the ball a few times and they go, you know what? Let's just run the ball until they can stop us. And it's a smart move they did. It was really smart because, I mean, Rodgers, you want to keep him as rested as possible without having him sit any games. And this is the way to do it when your offense is balanced and you have a great game for your running back. And they're absolutely going to need Rodgers because looking at the uh, NFC standings for playoffs, uh, Green Bay is currently the second seed uh, ahead of New Orleans, and that's based on a better win percentage in conference games. But looking at uh, Green Bay's final three games of the season, Chicago, Minnesota, and Detroit. Chicago and Minnesota are both in the playoff hunt. Exactly. So they're going to have a tough road ahead. And speaking of Chicago, mm-hmm. why don't we jump into your leap pad? Yep. Uh, for my leap, I decided to take the Chicago Bears to defeat the Dallas Cowboys at home. I could not figure out for the life of me why Dallas was favored in this game because, hey, they lost to New England. They lost to Buffalo on Thanksgiving in back-to-back weeks. Why in the world are they favored? Uh, and sure enough, uh, I was right. Uh, Chicago winning by the final score of 31 to 24. Dak Prescott 27 of 49 for 334 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky 23 of 31 for 244 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Coach, how about them Cowboys? How about that, Mitch Trubisky? Huh? Mm-hmm. I mean, a little bit of resurgence here. I mean, they're starting to. I don't know if they're figuring out what they need to do with him, or if finally just everybody's woken up from whatever hibernation they were in. Because the offense is playing well, and it's definitely not you know slowing them up like it was early part of the year. The only problem is is this is a little problem of uh, too little, too late. Uh huh. Because mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, there was games that they definitely should have won early on in the year. That I think at one point, what they were like three and six. Yep. You know, so I mean that to come back from that, you know, so there's games that definitely got away from them. And now, you know, you talk about losing Raquan Smith for the year with that torn pack. Huge blow. Huge blow because he was playing better than Khalil Mack was. Yeah. So now you're talking about arguably your second best defender um, out for now for the rest of the year. That's not going to help as you're trying to make a push for the playoffs. I see. And I realize they're making a push for the playoffs and they they have to win out to, to make it to the playoffs because like I said, they're currently in the eighth seed. So they need to win out. Uh, I don't see it happening because like I mentioned, they play Green Bay uh, next week. Then they have Kansas City and Minnesota to close out the year. Trubisky has finally shown some life to his offense, but there's no chance he's going to run the table. <laughs> no, <laughs> not a not no. a chance. The air of positivity in here right now. Yeah. Huh? Not a believer, huh? Uh, no, no, I mean I'm I, deflating I, that balloon right now. Any <laughs> other like lineup of three games they had, they might have had a shot. But going to go up against Green Bay, Minnesota, and uh, Kansas City in the final three weeks, no. I, I mean, just they shot themselves in the foot with three and six. So yeah. I mean, yeah. even if they run the table. 
I still that's still questionable to even get in. Trubisky should be playing for Atlanta. That's how much I I feel about his <laughs> wow. consistency. Yeah, we'll wow. go with a hot take with that one. But it just goes to show, like you touched upon, they lost a lot of games early that they should have won. Yeah, and they would have been in a lot better position for where they are right now because mm-hmm. they they need a lot of luck if they want to even talk playoffs. And when Trubisky, yeah, it's great he showed some life. I mean, where has this been all year? That's the question. Right. I, would have I mean, if I was a Chicago fan, I'm not happy. On them winning these last few no, games. No, I'm ticked. I'm frustrated because yeah. of how they played before these games. Right, yeah, of course. They went into the, their Week 5 game against Oakland 3-1, and one, and then they probably lost the next four straight games to drop yeah. them to 3-5. and five. Yeah, yeah. No, so, yeah, 3-5. and five. I mean, and not even to mention the fact that uh, the week before, you know, so then uh, Trebinski plays well against Detroit. You know, everybody's like, well, all right, don't, you know, let's hold out before we start, you know, anointing him. And now, you know, they come back, have another good game against Dallas, whose defense has been playing well. Um, and now everybody's again, you know, back on the Trubinsky bagwagon. It's like, hey, where was this week five, yeah. six, and seven? Yeah. yeah. It, the inconsistency is causing a rift in the fan base and a rift in the players, too. Because you can definitely tell it's like you could have, would have, should have, but you didn't. And the thing with Trubisky is he has to maintain this going throughout. Because if he finishes strongly, let's say they win their next games out, and he puts up another 250-plus, couple touchdowns, no interceptions, maybe one interception over that course of record. Okay, great. You've now shown flashes of life that we've been waiting to see since you got drafted so high. Right. Can you carry this through next season? Because if you can't, and you have the chance to get a Cam Newton in there as a free right. agent, uh, right. and some of the other quarterbacks are going to be out there that you could get as a replacement. This is where it's going to come back to haunt Chicago, that if Trubisky is not the guy. And like I said, I'm not sold on him. He hasn't shown me enough throughout this season. That is my take on him. I'd love to say, yeah, this is going to be the flash of brilliance and kick Chicago right in the pan, and this is how they get go into the playoffs. I just don't see it with him. No. And I think that they took advantage of a Dallas Cowboys team that is defeated mentally. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. They're, yeah. They're checked shot. out. Yeah, they have checked out for the season. And this is a sad case because there is a still a freak chance they are going to make the playoffs because of how bad the NFC East is. I mean, they'd be dragging their tails in there. It's brutal. They'll be stumbling in that door. The Giants were up 17-3 to going into that game last night with Philly. So, I mean, the NFC East is atrocious. Abysmal. And Dallas, Dallas to close out the year, they have the Rams next week. They travel to Philly the week after, and then they close out at home against the uh, Washington Redskins. There's just no way, Garrett. Is coming back next year. I mean, no. not barring a Super Bowl run miracle, I just there's no way I think he wants to be back. I don't think there's a way that Jerry Jones wants him to be back. I don't think there, and, and you know, I, I can't discredit him completely because I mean we don't know the uh, the dichotomy there between him and Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Sure, you know what their what you know the play calling dynamic is because whoever it is that's like, all right, let's give Ezekiel Elliott. Five straight carries on the first drive, yeah. opening of the game, and then not use him again for the rest of the game. Whoever's making that decision is the one who should be fired. Yeah, I, I just can't figure it out. I think you definitely got to get rid of Garrett. I think you also got to get rid of the offensive coordinator because you look at it on paper: Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb. You know, you've got even Michael Gallup. You know, showing a real surgeons. You look at this going, okay, this should be like a Madden game where you've like turned off some settings and you put all your favorite players on your team. You should be running up the score on this. And they're sitting there at six and seven. And you arguably have the <laughs> best offensive line in football. Yeah. I was just going to touch upon that. I mean, the, the only thing they did right this game is give Ezekiel Elliott more carries 19 carries. Yeah, but 
19 carries, but that was all mostly first half work. Right, but <laughs> at least they still were going in the right direction. Like maybe oh, somehow, I mean. somehow, some way, they were starting to get the message that, hey, you have the best offensive line in all the NFL. You have a running back that can actually run. One and one makes two. Let it happen. But he might have had 19 carries, but now this is his fifth straight game, fifth game this year with under 100 yards. Oh, exactly. Because mm-hmm. they, they stopped going. But Pat touched upon it right, in, right down the top of the tip. That whoever's making the play calls to stop giving him the ball is what's costing your team. Yeah. And that is where your big focal that, And that's point what is. I'm saying. I don't know if it's Kellen Moore who's actually, you know, if. Because in the NFL, you know, you've got your head coach and you've got your offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Typically, when a head coach is an offensive guy, he is usually a lot more, you know, he leans more to the offensive side of the ball yeah. when it comes to play calling and stuff. So he might be, you know, you know, he's seeing the, the call sheet and he's seeing the calls. And sometimes, you know, the offensive coordinator doesn't actually make the calls. They just set up the schemes and set up the practice plans and everything. And then the offensive the coach makes the calls in the game. Now, from what I heard on Thanksgiving Day, that Kellen Moore is the one that's handling all the play calling duty. I mean, if I'm Jason Garrett, I'm hearing some of these straight passes. I mean, 49 passing attempts. And I'm saying, hey, 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 we got to get. Zeke the ball. We gotta get two one the ball here. The only thing that I think is going on is I think they're really trying to appease Dak into coming back and saying, "Hey, how much of a focal point you are to this offense," which is stupid. Well, they're defeating. They're they're hurting their own case exactly. by saying he's not the high. Shouldn't be the highest paid player. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're literally saying, "Okay, hey, go out and throw forty nine times." And in you know, for him, he's like, well, "Okay, if I'm gonna throw forty nine times." Pay me like I'm throwing 49 times. Exactly, and that's why I think they're shooting themselves in the foot because yeah. they want to appease him because it's a contract year, but you're doing too much and you're filling too much in his head Right. that this is going to cause a problem in the offseason because there's only so much money to go around for all the players that you need to re-sign. You could have literally cut his legs out from under him in the negotiation table by saying, okay, Zeke's going to get 20 to 30 touches a game, period, and only had, depending on game, obviously – if you're down 40 to nothing, you can't run the ball the rest of the game. But depending on game situations, Zeke should have been the primary ball handler. Mm-hmm. And then from there, when you went to the negotiation table, you know, and he's saying, yeah, give me 20, $29 million, you could have said, we gave that money to the running back who's our primary ball carrier. We'll give you X amount. And if you want to walk, walk, because we don't need you. Our primary ball handler is... In the backfield already. Well, and, and if you really want to appease a guy and have him come back, to me, stats are great and all, but I would rather have a winning record, go into the playoffs and make a playoff run, rather than say, oh, hey, I threw the ball 500 times and for 5,000 yards, but I didn't make the playoffs. I agree with you. And that's what they should have done, but they didn't. And that's typically not how Dallas does their business. Which yeah. is, that's the Jerry Jones way. So now it's going to come back to haunt them. And like I say, this is a bad loss for Dallas. <laughs> Because they could have wound up being seven and six, and actually a winning record in the NFC East. Correction: a positive win for the Giants. Let's say happy here. This is a good win for the Giants by a Dallas loss because that is one step further to Garrett getting fired, and one step closer to being the Giants head coach. Because I'll tell you what: if you're not happy with averaging about a ten and six record, nine and seven record, and being one and two in the in the race in the NFC title game for the last. I mean, what, he's been there 10 years At and least. had one losing record in 10 years? Thank you. I'll, I'll accept your you know, your trash as another man's treasure. Hey, well, that's the only thing the Giants fans can really look forward to this season. I mean, for real. I mean, listen, if you're not happy with the fact that your team is in the division race, meaning that you're going to get in the playoffs every year, 
Mm-hmm. If you're not happy with that, and you like, no, 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 we're not going to accept that. A good comparison would be Notre Dame fans. These idiots that call for Brian Kelly's job because they go 10-2 and two on a year. Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, you, you, you're playing, the, you know, you got, the, you got these games lined up. Brian, the last time that Notre Dame had this many wins in 10 years was Lou Holtz, almost 20 years ago. So here comes a guy winning. T- so be satisfied with what you have. All right, yeah, it's not the championships and the and the parades and everything, but you went from Anthony Carter mm-hmm. as your quarterback and who know? I mean, Wade Phillips as a head coach and going four and twelve and finishing in the last place, running the triple option before that was back in the NFL, looking like garbage, to now being one of the elite teams in the FC East. Be happy with what you have. But that's not the Dallas way. No, I know it's not. Yeah. It's not these, you know, it's not these idiot Notre Dame fans either. You listen, sometimes, and I'm not saying I'm accepting mediocrity, but getting your foot in the playoff door is sometimes all you need to make a run. Yeah. <laughs> a spark has to start somewhere. And if so if you're not happy with ten and six, the only ulti- you know, the ultimate matum, uh, the opposite of that is okay. You've got a team that goes five hundred one year, but then fourteen two the next year, and then you don't hear from them again. So you make one Super Bowl run, and you're satisfied with that? No, you want consistency. Yeah, that's all you can ask for your sports teams, right? And you, sometimes you get it, and sometimes you don't. But looking at Dallas and Chicago, both of them are inconsistent on multiple levels, and this is why they're going to be Facts. outside looking in. They're not going to yeah. go near the playoffs. No. Unlike coaches lock, but however, they took a bad loss this week. I have it here, an embarrassing loss, embarrassing bad loss in uh-huh. caps. Yes. I picked the Texans uh, playing at Denver. Uh, no, they were in Houston. Oh, even worse. Yeah. So in Houston, go ahead, Pat. Uh, yeah, Denver ended up winning the game by the final score of 38-24. to 24. Drew Locke, 22 of thir- uh, 27 for 309 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Deshaun Watson, 28 of 50 for 292 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. So that just Side note, Drew Locke averaged 11.4 yards per pass. You know, I, I we talked about how cool it was to see the uh, linebacker for Houston come dressed as members, you know, basically dressed like the Shield Mm -hmm. and how cool that was. Well, I mean, this week, if you hadn't seen, they came dressed as Average Joe's Gym from Dodgeball, but they played like Don't Give a Shit Joe Uh because they played terrible. Yeah, Yeah, they played absolutely atrocious. Bad loss. 31-3 to at halftime. Especially after that great win. I mean, so obviously they must have been spent from that game against New England. Mm-hmm. You know, I I should have hindsight being twenty twenty or whatever that saying is. Yeah, I probably should. Right. Yeah, all right. I should have looked back and been like, all right, this is a little bit of a trap game. They just came off this big win against New England. They're going to be riding all highs. They're probably not even going to pay no mind to Denver coming in with a rookie quarterback. And boom, they they surprise. They caught him with the t- you know they caught him uh, like a UFC fighter. Yep. You know, in a submission, and then they just strangle them. Yeah, to only put up three points in the entire <laughs> first half with that offense, and yet you look—you made Drew Locke look like the next coming of Elway. Oh yeah, against you. I would really—I want to thank. I know that Deshaun Watson cares about my fantasy team, and I would like to say thank you for that dud of a performance that you put because I sit Drew Brees on my bench against the 49ers defense because I was like, hey. Drew Brees is getting I mean, that's a tough game. The 49ers defense really good. Houston at home coming off a win. Oh, man. Uh, here he goes to Sean Watson. Watch this man. We'll go, Mama, there goes that man. I, I thought he was going to run the table, and he puts up a dud. 
Yeah, yeah, and this this really hurts the Texans because yes, as we record, they are currently the fourth seed uh, in the AFC playoff race. But the only the, the only thing saving them from dropping to maybe about seventh, and that's where the Tennessee Titans currently sit, is because they have uh, the Houston Texans have a better uh, div- divisional record than the Tennessee Titans. The, the Texans have three and one. Titans are two and two. Yeah, but they're coming on right now. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Houston to close out the year, they've got Tennessee next week, uh, Tampa Bay the week after, and then Tennessee to close out the year you gotta face tennessee choice that's a tough, tough uh-huh. battle. a tough very and, uh, and a, a tennessee team that has rallied behind Tannehill yeah and gotten the message of run 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 play action pass run 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 so they i mean variable's got them going right now yeah variable has done an amazing job and talk about teams that fly under the radar Tennessee is one because yeah. you don't see a flashy stat line. No, no, other, not at all. Other than they're Derrick going, Henry. they're going in and just pumbling you. Yeah, they are literally saying, "Hey, here's Derrick Henry. You're going to have to look at him 30 times going downhill on you. Stop him. Exactly. Okay, you did. Here comes play action. You know, boom. And this is where Houston is really going to find out what kind of team they have. Yeah, because to lose this badly to a Denver team that, let's face it. They're should, not that great. Should not have even came close to putting 20 points up on the board <laughs> to have with, with a rookie quarterback that ha- is facing one of the better defenses sure. in all the league. The team that stood defense up to Tom that, Brady. Yeah, the defense that just spanked Tom Brady. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're the ones who came up with this new game plan now of double teaming and putting a safety over the top of Edelman. Now, I know teams have done it before, but they were the ones who did it real prevalent to the point that New England had to adjust their offensive game plan by putting Edelman on the outside and motioning him into the slot so the safety was caught up in coverage. Yeah, That's that Houston team that yeah. had that scheme. Yeah, this one was still trying to check out Halloween costumes or for cosplay because they obviously did not show up. No, and not for, at all. For them to have this bad of a loss to face going and facing Tennessee, I'm not saying they're going to be slipping, but... Don't doubt Tennessee if they decide to rally. No, to take over that division. Yeah, no, no. Uh, Bill O'Brien down there in Houston's got to do something to like refocus them. I don't know what it is. I'm not a head coach. I've never coached an NFL team. I've never coached a Pee Wee football team. He's got to do something to get their focus back and like, hey, listen, you guys don't get this together. You're going to be playing golf while your you know your friends are out there playing in the playoffs. I mean, for me, I would just I you got to go in the locker room. You just got to say, all right, yeah, that was, wake up call. Yeah, that was you guys thought you were hot shit beating New England, and then you know you wrote yourself to the Super Bowl. Well, guess what? A rookie quarterback just came in and spanked you. Yeah, and listen, you can't put it on the game plan because at the end of the day, they hung thirty eight on you. Exactly. You need to come out next week in a division game, and you need to step up. And that's what I would say to them in the locker room. Yeah, yeah, you beat New England, and yet the team came in and hung thirty one on you in the first half. Right, that's what I'm saying. And all you could manage was three points. Exactly. But Fine. let's say a positive. Drew Locke looked great. Yeah? Oh, yeah. For Denver, you have, to, you have to be happy thus far with what you've seen. Yeah. Cause That's kid, two straight wins? The kids yeah. look in the role. Him and Noah Fant is a nasty one-two combo yeah. right there. So is it too early to start like chiseling out his Hall of Fame plaque? It should be. But for Denver, you at least have to look at this is promise. He yeah. could probably wear seven and a half. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know, seven and one-eighth, you know, maybe? Because, I mean, they they were high on him, mm-hmm. obviously. The players were high on him. 
And, you know, unfortunately, he was hurt most of the year. I'm not saying maybe he would have, you know, they would have won 10 games they with him. Won. They wouldn't have made playoffs but, this year with him. I them. mean, they definitely, you can see that there's a little bit of mojo. There's no, a little yeah, bit of energy, he's, he's you know. something. Well, they need something, and it almost in a, in a lesser sense, and just hear me out when I say this. This is like when Baker Mayfield came in last season for Cleveland. Yeah. Mm. It was kind of a different energy than what you had with, you know, cool Joe Flacco. Right. Well, sure. and and just and going in to see that he's actually found a spark with some of the younger players on that team. Right. This is what you need to build off of. I mean, I can't speak for how Flacco felt, but I mean, maybe getting traded out there for him, you know, maybe he just being the fact that he was in Baltimore for so long, you know, maybe he just had a little bit of uh, you know, up animosity, a little like, why am I getting traded out here? So maybe he was carrying that chip yeah. on his shoulder, had a negative demeanor, and you know, created problems offensively because there was no chemistry on that offense. No, no. And you've already you've always had a great defense there. I yeah. mean, that has always been from the last like five, six years. You know, since Manning's retired, that defense is pretty much yeah they've lost players, but they've plugged and played, and they've put yeah. guys into roles, and they've played very well still, despite the fact that they haven't had a good quarterback. So yeah, maybe having the the negativity removed, Flacco being put on IR for the rest of the year and out of the way, Drew Locke coming in rookie, big eyes, wide eyes, happy to be here. Thanks for having me and going out and playing that way. You know, sparked some uh, some happiness. It's what they need to do out in Denver because it's been real bleak this season. Uh-huh. So if you have some parts to build off of, and if this is going to be your next franchise guy, congratulations. Yeah. Statement win against one of the better teams in the AFC. Flip the coin on Houston to make a run in the playoffs and do a, a dud performance like you did, Yeah, you'll be one and done. And you can't take anybody lightly in this league, no matter what. I mean, that's what sets the teams, the great ones, away from the, the mediocre ones. And it shows up every week. So that being said, moving to my leap, and this was Coach's leap. Yeah, oh yeah, because you talked me into it. Yes, and you're welcome. Yes, thank you. Because otherwise, I would have been over two. But hey, hey, hey. Yes, when in doubt, trust the host. And uh, Pat is uh, giving me a certain gesture to say that yes, it was a number one pick here because Kansas City went to Foxborough and did something that. Has not really been done before. So, well, since 2017, if I heard right. Yep. Yeah. So, Pad, do you want to get the stat line? Yeah. Uh, Kansas City defeated the Patriots by the final score of 23 to 16. Patrick Mahomes, 26 of 40 for 283 yards passing, uh, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Tom Brady, 19 of 36 for 169 yards passing, uh, one touchdown, one interception. Coach, your thoughts? Well, I mean, first, I'm going to defer to Pad. This is a safe place here. If you want to vent about how the ref screwed over New England. You know, because so many times we have to deal with New England and the refs screwing over other teams. So, Pat, this is a safe place. Go ahead, air your grievances. As much as the refs might have screwed over the Patriots, I will say this. I will say this. Somebody other than Julian Edelman has to make a fucking catch. Looking at the stats, Julian Edelman, eight catches. Great. That's that's Julian Edelman, you know, normal stats. Uh, Jacoby Myers, one catch. James White, five catches. Matt Lacoste, two catches. Mohamed Sanu Sr., one catch. Nikhil Henry, one catch. Ben Watson, one catch. Sonny Michelle, one catch. Rex Burkhead, no catches, one target. Philip Dorsett, no catches, two targets. Someone other than the Super Bowl MVP has to get open and make a fucking catch. 
Pat is coming with some fire this week, folks. I mean, it's that simple. Brady's great and all, and he's one of the best of all time. You know, you can have that debate. And, yeah, the running game is good, but, you know, didn't really get much out of it this game. But somebody other than Edelman has to run and lay his body on the line to get open. Is this what I sound like when I talk about yes. the Giants? Yes, this is. <laughs> there goes this man here. Oh, my God. You you open Pandora's box. Yeah, you, you just you go, there. man. You don't even realize it. Now, I, And I realize that, okay, Brady, you know. <laughs> They, you know, the thing I've been reading some reports. Oh, he hasn't. He's been in more involved in more meetings and such with the receiving core because his limited practice schedule the last couple of weeks because of injuries or what have you have really limited from getting on on connection with his receivers. You got to do something, Jesus Christ! If you got to take him out to Longhorn Steakhouse or Dave and Buster's, you know, for a bonding session, do something. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Dave and Buster's is Buffalo. Man, it sounds okay. delicious. Yeah. Dave and Buster's is all Buffalo no, but Bills I'm saying, Mafia. I'm saying, though, if you got to take them like Dave and Buster's for some food and then some video games, like, just to have how some about, fun. How about just get them in front of the jug? Because they can't catch shit. Yeah, well, the Lord, thing, well, well, that's the thing about cold. the Patriots are just not looking like the Patriots of old on offense. And this is not, not a slight because, I mean, trust yeah. me, as a Bills fan, yeah, you lost. But you know what? Somebody's got to make a catch. Yeah, but this is also going on. Your wide receiver core is in shambles yeah. right well, now. I, I think here's my biggest thing. And I think this is funny as a, as an outside member. Remember all those times when you know they would they wouldn't have you know Deion Branch was their number one wide yeah. receiver. Or, uh, you know they had this guy, that guy, but they never had a number one. Then Randy Moss came in that year. You know they had a clear cut number one. You know great run. You know undefeated the Super Bowl and whatever. Um, but now you know they're back to that old mentality of not having a number one wide receiver, and they had won games last year without one. But they always had Gronk. Yeah, well, that's you the thing. Always had Gronk. They always had Gronk, or they always had somebody. You know, might have been like a, a second tier name that, like, in the receiving core, that, like, okay, you know, Gronk's not Gronk because Gronk was hurt for more times than he actually played on the field. Right. It feels like, you know, and and yeah, you got Edelman, but yeah, always had somebody else that was out there, you know, that could get open or maybe made a clutch catch. And I'm just looking. Okay, you got you brought in Muhammad Sanu Senior, which he's not really doing much now. Admittedly, he was hurt at least two weeks i know there was one he was he was out at least two weeks Nikhil henry harry excuse me is their rookie quarterback or receiver they just drafted he was out more than half the year so you really can't get much but the rest of the guys i'm looking at them going you're not stepping up i i'll say right now and i the rumors if they are true i the only man to save you and the only man to save himself by going to new england is odell beckham jr well, you can't get him now. Yeah, well, no, I know yeah, you can't get yeah. him now. I'm saying, though, the rumors are yeah, that he is trying to work his way to New England, that he is that is why he is creating all this stuff because he wants to be the guy, the, the number one guy, the not yeah. 1A, the not 1B. He wants to be one with a thing next. Yeah, he wants to be the one with an asterisk next to it. Well, I, to that I would say, though, we tried that this year in Antonio Brown. Right. Well, this is the difference. Different though. scenario, different right. situations. I realize that, but you still have two big, I, big name receivers with a lot of baggage and a bit of a diva status. I'm sorry, the man got in a fight with a punting net. You know, I don't know if it would work. Belichick with Odell Beckham would be possibly the most scary and dangerous thing I think football has seen in the last ten years. Because if there, because uh, there's one thing about Odell Beckham. And he respects authority. Because when Tom Coughlin was with him that one year, none of this antics bullshit was going on. None of these things were going on with Odell. The moment they fired him and McAdoo came in, that's when it was the 
peeing on the field goal, smacking the punting tent. He lost all sorts of control. You put this man in a position with a man who is an authoritative, powerful winner that you ha- that demands respects, not just ask for it, but demands it the way that Bill Belichick does, you will see a resurgence in Odell Beckham. Because right now, Kitchens doesn't do that. No, Freddie no. Kitchens is the soft, I want to be cool and hip guy. So that's why these guys in Cleveland right now are walking all over him. You put him there, and you will see old LSU Odell Beckham. I guess here would be my question then. Because I have a tendency to side with Pat on this one. But let me just – because I'm not sure of this. You sure. Know, you're the Giants fan in the room. When Coughlin was there, wasn't that his rookie year? It was – well, he was there as rookie and his sophomore year. Okay, so he was there for two years. He was there for two years because then McAdoo was in right, for then, last year and, and then Schumer was in for – oh, so – I'm, yeah, 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 I'm right. So uh, Coughlin was there for two. Yeah, I'm trusting you. This guy. Yeah, Honestly, Coughlin was there for two. Sh- McAdoo was there for two. And then Schumer was there for one because he was on his last year of that rookie deal going right. into this year when they re-signed him. See, I would say this. It's nice to think that on paper because the Patriot way has usually, I don't want to say humbled, but it's really influenced diva receivers we saw this with randy moss right and and gronk and gronk well gronk was never really a diva right but he has all this other the partier the going out right but 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 he was always a different different cat when he suited up sure that's that's the difference for odell over the past few years my only question would be is he too far gone from the odell when he first came that would be my only question because Because when he left New York, you know, it was all about him and like you touched upon. Right. You know, all the antics that came with him, the boat incident. Yep. And now he's in Cleveland where his ego has now, you know, really become a distraction per se. The watch, the visor, the shoes. So is he too far gone to come back and refocus? Ah, The other thing, his love of Tom Brady, which is well documented. Oh, yeah. So I'm – I I, I – listen – I really, really, I mean, I mean, this is all speculative. Like, oh, this yeah, sure, has sure. to happen. But I really, really think, and I, I mean, I hope for him because I, I liked Odell. I, I mean, when the Giants drafted him, I didn't know much about him because I hadn't seen LSU play much. So I was like, God, a wide receiver at 13. Like, what the hell are the Giants doing? But then, obviously, after watching him play, I mean, you think about him and Tom Brady together mm-hmm. with wh- whoever they have on, and him and Edelman? Oh, forget it. Well, you would think so. And like I said, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It just depends on what Odell you get at this stage. Right. That is the big X factor in the room. If he can keep his ego in check, great. You know what? Then it's a truly scary sight to be seeing him in Patriots uniforms. Sure. I'll I'll be the first one to tell you that. That would give me nightmares. Yeah. But it all depends if he's too far gone. Because sometimes when your star is bigger than the team, it's tough to reel you back in. Uh, yeah, Antonio yeah. Brown is another example. I so uh, my thing with Antonio Brown is though is that the stuff that happened with Antonio was before he was there in New England, right? Because he, from all sounds of things and you know reports, he was doing fine and and getting along in New England. He was hanging out with players, going doing things, and was fine. You know, was back to Pittsburgh, Antonio Brown. But the problem is the, the shit that caught up to him while he wasn't right. New England Antonio Brown got there and met him at the same time, and then that's when things fell apart. Because what Belichick's not going to do is he's not going to answer questions regarding your troubles. Right. Especially when they don't feel like they need you. Now, looking back, 
probably could have dealt with it because it's funny because the story just came out of that top uh, the top 100 players and LT was on there mm-hmm. and Belichick was asked about you know having to deal with the troubles and P- Parcells is the head coach and they gave a story about how they had a meeting and LT walked in 15 minutes late and Parcells go you know he walks up to him he's like hey I'm not going to start LT uh, Bill because uh, he was 15 minutes late to the meeting and Parcells response was well why did you start the meeting without LT there so like if anybody knows how to deal with that you know you had one of the worst outside of football problem players in the history of the NFL and if Belichick knew how to deal with that and rein that in you can deal with that that's the Phil Jackson mantra that's the whole thing oh no it's it, it's not all the realm of thought like I said it, it just depends at this stage, if he can do it. Now, yeah. I, now, am I doubting him? No, but it remains to be seen and if he's going to buy in or is he going to be like Chad Johnson and out of the team. Right, and I mean, this is all going it's down all the road. So, yeah, I mean, and it's a fun talk. But, oh, yeah. I mean, right now, New England is clearly missing a number one piece. It is killing them. Their offensive line is real bad yeah. because Spagnola dialed up the blitz. Yeah, that's why I think you have to give more credit to Spagnola and what he did with the Kansas City defense because New England allowed three sacks. The time of possession was all Kansas City, 34 to 25. Even though Kansas City did do more penalties. Oh, yeah, it was brutal. Oh, it was absolutely brutal. But It was like 100-plus yards. 136. Yeah. yeah. Oh. But they made enough on that side of the defense to really pressure Brady and get him out of the system, and especially taking advantage of rushing Brady to a wide receiver core that just is I'm, not is not looking great at this time. Because watching the game, because I watched the game, because mm-hmm. I, I you know it was a great game to watch and I was following it pretty closely. If they weren't dialing up pretty much zero pressure, you know zero blitzes, they were double teaming Edelman. Yeah, and it was like every other play, it was boom, boom, boom. And I'll tell you, the coolest thing I saw Edelman do was late in that game on that fourth quarter drive. Uh, right to get to the goal line. Yeah, you know Brady pulled him in because he saw a zero blitz coming, which they already had a safety over the top on him too. So the you know you knew you knew Edelman was going to get double teamed anyway. So they pulled him in to block like a linebacker and he or a tight end. He cut the shit out of some linebacker's knees, and I was like, good for you, Edelman, for sticking your nose because I mean he came inside and cut. It wasn't even. It was like a four. It was a four technique. So yeah. it was a rushing linebacker who was playing defensive end yeah. and he cut his legs right from out from under him yeah no a great block it was a great block you can't take that away from him but kansas city came in there and imposed their will i mean that's the first time in how many years that that has happened yeah that's a big win for kansas city because there there was you know obviously they've been fluctuating as far as you know standings i mean i know that they've got the nfc west pretty much you know in a stranglehold right now because los angeles is abysmal Oakland can't get out of their own way. And, you know, Denver obviously has a rookie quarterback. So, I mean, they're almost basically getting in by default. But it's not by it's not playing well that's getting well, them in. Well, Kansas City's all actually clinched the division. Yeah. yeah. So okay, so there you go. Yeah, no, they've got the division. Just looking at their games to close out the uh, season just for where they're going to land in the playoffs. Uh, they've got Denver next week, Chicago the week after, and then the Chargers to close out the year. So it's all about where you finish now. Yeah, exactly. you don't want to be – I would just say, personally, I wouldn't want to be the team that's got to go back to New England. No, I think that if they got a chance to get home field, that's why they keep playing. Yeah, if yeah, they, you have to. If they if they have that opportunity, that's where you jump on it. Because unless Baltimore has a really colossal collapse, 
which <sighs> I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. I mean, that that was, team's too versatile. Yeah, especially a great game against Buffalo. Yeah. I have to say the Bills hung in there, but Baltimore, I will say this. Baltimore was having a lot of penalties get called on them that shouldn't have. They got oh. a lot of calls that I – and this is coming from a Bills fan. I thought that they got a lot of calls, especially late, that should not have been called the Earl Thomas rough uh, personal foul penalty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, yeah, should well, – <laughs> uh, Nine penalties for 99 yards. Yeah, that should not have happened. Like I said, that late drive. But Baltimore came in there and did what they did, and they looked like the number one seed. So for Kansas City, that's your benchmark now. Right. That's where you have to be. If you have a chance to steal the number one from them – then you really play everybody. If not, start watching your injuries because I know Mahomes was complaining about his hand and yeah. they're running x-rays. Yeah. Oh, okay. So if you have the chance to sit and get him healthy, if he's not 100%, you do that unless you have the chance to get the one seed. I mean, I just wh- – either way, I think I'd rather – if I had to pick my poison of playing New England or Baltimore, I'm choosing to be playing New England. Yeah. I'm just choosing to play them at home. <laughs> yes. You know, I, I mean, even though I know last year they came in to Kansas City and beat them, I just I don't think that you're going to go back to New, uh, to New England and win twice. No, definitely not. So, I mean, a lot of shakeup in the NFL. And dare I say, I know we're not going to have enough time to really dig into this, but game of the week had to be San Francisco and New Orleans. Had to be. I mean, the Giants-Philadelphia game went to overtime. Ken, are you not going to give credit to that wonderful game? George Kittle's insanity run with oh, five yeah. defenders in the uh, entire city. I don't know if you New Orleans on. heard the narrative of Eli's book. I don't know if you heard that enough last night on ESPN because if you were playing the drinking game for that, you would have definitely gone through a bottle of something because, my God. Yeah, it was a little out of control. So many great games this past weekend. Definitely hit us up on the social media, though. Hashtag ODPH joining the conversation. Where did you think this NFL week is going? Did you think your team did well? Did you think your team did not? And what is the playoff picture looking like to you? We definitely want to know, so hit us up. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Greetings and salutations. This is Cage's Kiss, the ultimate cage cast, where we discuss the movies and life of the national treasure, Nick Cage. There are three of us here, and I can't help but notice that none of us are Nicolas Cage. Did nobody call him? What? A cage cast with no Nick Cage? No, instead of being Nicolas Cage, we're three Nicolas Cage experts, which is the next best thing. I don't think we should admit to being experts. Too late. We are not experts at anything. We are not life coaches, and we are not in any way, shape, or form qualified to give you suggestions on life choices. But Nick Cage is, and he's made hundreds of life choices. Seriously, I cannot stress enough just how much you should not take our advice. But we're experts. No, seriously, we're not experts. Yes, but we will be reviewing his first acting gig as Nicholas Coppola, Best of Times, which features a young and very precious Crispin Glover. And his work in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And his work in My Nightmares. We're experts. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for the second segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and it is UFC time. Dare I say, 
Is this the card of 2019? Uh, so, so far, I mean, you've got uh, Frankie Edgar stepping in to fight Korean Zombie next week. So well, that, that, that might be. Well, that's next week. And, well, yeah, that fight is going to well. be definitely something to watch. I am super excited. It stinks that Brian Ortega got injured. Yeah. And that is the reason why, you, except he was going to try fighting on, I think it was a partially torn ACL or something. That would not surprise me. No, I'm, I'm as bummed as you are that Brian Ortega is not going to be in the fight. But then they said Frankie Edgar stepping in. I'm like, oh, all right, I'm not as bummed now. Yeah, because Frankie was going to drop the bantamweight. Yeah. And now this one's going to be a featherweight. That's good. This is going to be such a fun, fun fight. I can't wait for that one. But this week, though... At the T-Mobile Arena, uh-huh. Saturday, December 14th, mm-hmm. UFC 245, three title fights plus a stacked main card. Yeah. Not even jumping into the prelims, which has Jeff Neal and Mike Perry, which, I mean, that's going to be fireworks. I'm, and Matt Brown is returning, too, yeah. which is out of control. But let's just go over the main card, shall, shall we? Kicking off, Peter Yan is fighting... The California kid, uh-huh. Uriah Faber, yep. 40 years young. Any thoughts on the panel for this one? Uh, I'd never bet against the man who comes into the to the wonderful song California Love by uh, Tupac. Yes, so that would be Mr. Uriah Faber. Uh-huh. Coach? I, I'll, just, I'll never forget that fight in WEC where Faber broke both hands. Yeah. And yeah. Still were throw, was still throwing them. Yeah. I, I mean, I that moment right there would be a... Mixed martial arts moment that I will never forget in my life. So I always pull for him whenever he's fighting. So, I mean, I, so, yeah, I'm going to support Uriah Faber on this But one. you can't look past Peter Yan, though. I mean, looking at his record, uh, his professional record in 14 matches, he is 13-1. and one, uh, And he's coming off back-to-back wins, uh, notable wins. Uh, and Well, let me correct myself here. In the UFC, he has not lost. Uh, he is undefeated in the UFC. He hasn't lost since he was fighting in another federation way back in 2016. But his two most recent wins were against John Dodson uh, back in February of this year. And then after that, it was he uh, that was decision, and then he fought Jimmy Rivera to decision and won back in June. Yeah, Yan is a definitely tough opponent, so it's nothing for his favor is going to walk through by any stretch no. of imagination, especially since this is his second fight since retiring in 2016. Yeah, and it's a different fight game, but when he stepped in there against Ricky Simone and took him out in the first round, yeah, I mean. You thought the California kid is back. Any thoughts of ring rust or octagon rust or uh, throwing out the window there? Right. So, I mean, I don't know if all the time off is is the fountain of youth is back, but it's great to see him in the cage. It's going to be a fun one to kick off the event on the main stage. So this is going to be one. I'm going to say favor by decision. Probably. It's going to be a close one, though. And if he can beat Yan... I mean, that's a huge feather in his cap moving up the bantamweight ranks. Mm -hmm. We are also stacked at the bantamweight division going into the next fight. Marlon, or yeah, Marlon Morales against Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo. Yes. Jose Aldo stepping down to bantamweight. Yeah. See, I think that's why it shocked me because that's why I said Jose because it's Jose. And I am just in shock that he is dropping to 135. Mm hmm. Coach, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, where does he normally fight at, Ken? 145, and he struggles to make weight there. <sighs> that's a cut. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, so now you're uh, now you're talking about the opposite end of the spectrum where we talk about guys moving up and the extra weight making them a little bit sluggish and you know in, in those kind of fights. Now you're talking about a guy who might be completely depleted yeah. going into a fight. So now it's the exact yeah. opposite. Yeah. I'm saying we should note they have not had weigh-ins for this fight yet. So 
no, it is absolutely crazy that he's dropping. I'm sorry. Like, I can't get over the fact that he's doing this because this is absolutely insanity to me. Aldo should be fighting at 155 if he's still going to be fighting. Mm -hmm. There is no rhyme or reason for him to drop to 135 because that, to me, is just absolutely bonkers. Like, it it makes no sense whatsoever. Because for a long stretch of time, he he can is in the argument. He still to this day he is in the discussion for greatest featherweight of all time, and the just the reign of terror he did in that division over the years. I mean, truly from his WEC days to his UFC run, truly remarkable. He took out a, a who's who of the division. Yeah, and he has thirty three uh, professional matches with a record of twenty eight and five. His first loss was way back for a federation I've never even heard of. Uh, it looks like it was called Jungle Fight Five. Yeah, Brazil. Uh, out of Brazil, that was his first loss in November on November twenty sixth of two thousand and five. His next fight was against a gentleman by the name of Tiago Meller uh, in Gold Fighters Championship One. That was uh, also in Brazil. That took place on May twentieth of two thousand and six. His next loss was against Conor McGregor on December twelfth of twenty fifteen. Yeah, he then, went on like an eleven-year run. Yeah, to just try justifying and explaining the run. I mean, it was almost a twenty-fight win streak he went mm-hmm. on, and he took on every name that was a name in that weight class. I Cub mean, Swanson, Uriah Faber, Frankie Edgar, you know, uh, Chad Mendez. Yeah, to put this in perspective, his fight against Cub Swanson was the first time I'd seen him on WEC sure. when it used to be on, on network. And he gave one of the most devastating flying knees this side of Jorge Masvidal. Mm-hmm. That he took him out in literally no time, eight seconds. Eight seconds. You can YouTube that thing all day, and you'll just be in astonishment. And then he got to Raya Faber and literally gave one of the nastiest leg kicks of all time, and the day after Faber posted the pictures on uh, Instagram, uh, his leg was dark purple. Yeah. Like, I've never seen a leg take a beating that badly. Like, how he was still standing by the time they got to decision was absolutely wild. And that was the first time, I believe, that they were the WEC was on pay-per-view. Mm. So that's how that fight sticks out. And then they were bought out by the UFC, and that's how uh, Aldo came to be the first UFC featherweight champion. And defeating names like Mark Hominick, who <laughs> almost pulled that off in Canada when he was fighting up there, um, because I believe that was the GSP Shields card, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Had one of the nastiest hematomas I've ever seen on a human being. Oh, you know what? I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It almost yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a second that head was, was coming that out. That was of nasty. Him. And then going on to defeat Kenny Florian, who was making an insane weight cut. Oh, talk about people who made crazy weight cuts. I believe at one point he fought at 185. 170, 155, 145, and then yeah, yeah, yeah to just yeah. put it in perspective. That's nuts. Yeah, that's not healthy. Yeah, no, Florian. not at all. That's no. like Christian Bale. <laughs> yeah, Florian was that kind of fighter though, and obviously to give Aldo competition because at that time, 145 didn't have a really good reputation as it does now. But to see the the names that he's fought, I mean Frankie Edgar, he fought the Korean Zombie. Even though, and I will debate this, Korean Zombie. Should have won that fight, but that's where he popped his shoulder out mid-fight. Right. So I will debate that he should have got a rematch against Aldo at some point, but then running through Chad Mendez. And then Conor McGregor came in, and that's where the legacy took off because Conor got that quick knockout in the first. And then Frank, then uh, Aldo had a nice bounce-back win against Frankie, but then losing to the current king of the featherweights, Max Holloway. Getting really, knocked out twice. Yeah, really kind of says, okay, where do you go from here? And like I said, 
Aldo has struggled to make 145. Mm-hmm. So the fact you want to drop to 135, yeah, like I I struggle with that. He I, must have, he must have found like some new diet routine or regiment that like is making it a lot easier because I can't imagine if you're already struggling to make 145 to then go, oh, you know what? I'm you know I realize I'm struggling to make 145. I'm going to drop even more. Right. And he well, must have found something. Well, whatever the case, and is, I'm not saying drugs or no, anything no, no, illicit, no, no, but no, just no. like a strict diet regimen. Yeah, whatever kind of crazy diet regimen you must be on to, to make that big of a weight cut. It's not. That's that is when it's calorie restriction to him. Like so, to cut from one, like if he's barely making a cut at 145. Yeah. Right. Then you are now talking the fact that you're probably increasing, you know, the cardio aspect of your workouts to, you know, get that blood, the heart rate going. Then on top of it, you're talking such a calorie deficit that it's probably to the point where it's like, especially leading up to making cuts, mm-hmm. he's probably literally eating a half of a power bar just to get him through to get to the next day. Yeah. And I just, I struggle with this on so many different levels. Like for me, Aldo should be fighting at 155 if he wants to continue fighting. He has a lot of mileage in his fight career. Sure. So if he wanted to retire, I wouldn't struggle with that at all. But if he still wants to make it go, 155 would have been great. And if you want to talk about the money match, how about him against Conor McGregor one more time because we never got that rematch. This is true. That would have been box office. But he's going to step down and fight Marlon Morales, who is no joke at bantamweight. No. And I'm telling you what, I'm taking Morales in this one. Yeah, no, I, you know, nothing against Aldo. You know, the record stands for itself, but I, I'm with you. I'm going to take uh, Marlon on this one. I mean, his most recent loss was against uh, Henry Cejudo, uh, but before that, he beat John Dotson, Aljamain Sterling, uh, Jimmy Rivera, just to name a few names. Yeah, he is a name in the bantamweight division. I mean, against Cejudo right now, who is on a tear, yeah, and is absolutely frightening at 180 or 135, rather. To see Morales get this fight, this is going to be a huge feather in his cap, and if he wants to make a title run, he can definitely do it over Aldo. Aldo is an established name, but this weight cut is going to come back and haunt Aldo, especially if this goes to a third round. You're going to see him struggle because he used to gas out late in title fights when at 145. Yeah, What are you going to do when you're at a, that lower weight class? Well, I think the, the difference being with such a substantial cut, like any food he puts in his system after weigh-in, might actually help him bounce back yeah like it literally might be so i mean yeah the cut is going to be you know the hard part obviously like getting down to 135 that's going to be where it's going to be the struggle but then when you talk about after the weigh-ins being able to eat whatever you want because you already made weight now you're talking about this guy's probably just going to eat a smorgasbord of everything Uh like if i was him i would go directly to a texas state brazil or a fogo de chow and i would say don't stop the food coming here now. Just call room service and say, send me one of everything and keep sending them until I say so. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm saying, bring me the meat because I want protein in me. And then I'm saying, don't stop this bread basket because I'm going to eat them all. Yeah. Whatever steakhouse he is at that night. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, then, we've seen that. That's before. your pay-per-view we, right we've there. We've seen huh? that before, though. I've, the name escapes me and I know we won't ever remember who it was, but I do remember a fighter that like went into weigh-ins, made the weight cut and then came into fight. And then they were talking about like how much weight he swung in a 24-hour period. And we were just going, holy crap, he must have eaten everything in existence. Well, Lesnar did that all the time. For that. Randy Couture and him, when they did that heavyweight fight, he had to cut down. Uh, what's the maximum for a heavyweight? I used to 265. know. 265. He had to cut down to 265. And then they said going into the fight that he was actually weighing 285. Oof. So he barely got to 265. I literally think he was like 264 and like – 
you know, point nine, yeah. and got there, and then that you know eight got everything back in his system and weighed two eighty five. Go, they talk about that with John, yeah. how John gets down to two hundred five, but really when he gets into the octagon, he's fighting at two twenty five. Yeah, he's an easy two twenty five. Yeah, it's crazy how they do the weights for the divisions, and like I say, this one, that's my like the headline for me is like Aldo dropping, is just mind blowing to me. Well, I I didn't. At, athletic commissions come in and say like there was only a percentage i know for high school there's a percentage of your body fat that you're only allowed now to to go down to because obviously they were asking kids who you know had no business wrestling at 165 to get down there and wrestle at that you know i'm just picking a weight class right, right, like, right. No, I got they, you know they they walked around at 185 their body fat percentage said that they should be around that you know 175 but they were asking him to cut down to 165 and athletic commissions i know new york state did yeah you know so i don't like i don't know if they have control over that because i mean you almost have to remove the fighter from the situation because you know that they're going to want to fight and if an opportunity is in front of them they're not going to say no right and that's the thing with being in nevada for the fight and the t-mobile right you're right in the home base of the state athletic commission, so I mean they're watching everything for this. Right. I guess I'm just looking at this saying you struggle to make 145. Well, I'm, yeah, you got you have to take him away from himself. Like, yeah, he is his own worst enemy in this because literally for him, he's sitting here like there's an opportunity to fight. I'm going to take it. Oh, you need me to cut? I'll cut. Because I mean, he is ultimately a UFC player. Yeah. You know, like a, a you know team player guy is what I'm basically trying to say there because. He's done this. You know, he's been in the company for years. You know that if they say, hey, there's an opportunity to fight. Are you interested? Yeah. You know, who's against? Morales. Okay. Oh, I got a cut. Yeah, we need you to get down to 135. You know he's going to say, oh, I can do it. Well, I, I'm sure that he's, he's looking at that 145 division. He just lost to Alexander Volonovsky, and he can't beat Max Holloway. I mean, no. he's been knocked out. You know, they've had twice. the fight stoppage twice. Where do you go from here? At this stage... I guess if I was his manager, I'd say take a run at 155. 155 is a stacked division, but Aldo can still fight. Yeah. That's the question is, is he going to be a better performer at 135 or 155 where he's healthier? For me, i do the 155, and you could have got a, a name to fight you there. I mean, what about Dustin Poirier fighting there? I mean, you, you could have got somebody, I guess, is where I'm looking at it. But he's going to make a run there. But like I said, I, I don't like him at 135. I like Moraes, and that's where I'm sticking on this one. Going into the first of three title fights, Amanda Nunez is defending her bantamweight title against Jermaine Deramide. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can you say about Nunez that hasn't been said? Uh, she's a scary fighter. Yeah. Nunez, I mean, you have to talk about pound for pound right now, one of the best fighters on the planet, male or female. Legend killer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't want to fight her without some sort of weapon in my hands. <laughs> I mean, just, you know, her last loss uh, was, so her professional record in 22 matches, she is 18-4. and four. Uh, Her last loss was against Kat Zingano, where Kat knocked her out in the third round, way back in uh, 2014. Uh, after that, she beat Shayna Baszler. Uh, you might have heard of her if you're a WWE fan. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko, Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey, Shevchenko again. Raquel Pennington, Chris Cyborg, and Holly Holm. Yeah, I mean, the list goes on and on. Nunez, this should be a walk in the park for her, I think. I mean, Rendeme does not really impress me as a fighter. Uh, I mean, she has put some wins against uh, Aspen Ladd together and defeated Raquel Pennington in yeah. 2018, but really hasn't had a, a substantial run to really kind of push the pace here. Interestingly, though, this is a rematch. 
They did first fight uh, way back at UFC for the tro- fight for the troops three, uh, which took place in November of 2013. Uh, they opened the preliminary card on Fox Sports One, where Amanda Nunes uh, defeated uh, Jermaine via TKO in the first round. So to obviously pull off the sequel here, mm-hmm. it's going to take a lot from Randomay. I I just don't see yeah. it right now. I think Nunez is just on a different level right now. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, if she got the upper hand the first time around in the first round, I mean, fighters change over the course of time. But yeah. I, I see this being a TKO for Nunez by the second. Yeah, fighters change over the course of time, and Amanda Nunez has risen to like godlike status. Yes, because she's in fact said that after this fight, she is planning on defending her featherweight title. Ooh. So okay. stay tuned for that. But I just hope she's not overlooking Randame. Yeah. That's going to be the only... You know, well, catch, was, catch right here. I was just is. gonna say, who does this sound like going into a fight against Nunez? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, I mean, the top of her, you know, top crown, best woman fighter in all of MMA. Nobody can stop her, and all of a sudden, you're too cocky, too arrogant, and then yeah. boom. Yeah, I just think Nunez. It depends if she comes out of the cage and looking really. I almost want to say like how Alistair Overeem used to look when he used to come down to the cage and just right. dance, dance around right. and just too not taking it serious. Nunez is going to be in trouble. If Nunez comes in focus and wants to make uh, quick work of the night, it'll be a feather in her cap. No, I mean, I'm only making banter. Oh, no, no. no, I mean, I fully know that Nunez is going to go in and just assault this person. Well, well, I think she has to because without Cyborg there, there really isn't a strong presence, you know, at at the women's uh, featherweight division. I mean, at least in my opinion right now. I mean, there's some great fighters there, but not a clear-cut number one that's really jumping on saying, okay, this is your box office. Because like I said before, the fight that should have happened is you re-sign Chris Cyborg and you have the rematch against Nunez. You don't have that right now. Right. So where where does that go from here? I mean, that's the question you got to ask with that one. But for Nunez, I mean, you have to say pound for pound right now, one of the best fighters on the planet, male mm-hmm. or female, and you can't yeah. take that you you can't say otherwise about no. this. And like I say, just going into that division and looking at who she's facing, I mean, trying to look at the rankings right now, it, no name is really jumping out that's saying like, okay, immediate, right? Let's do this. So, well, that's the tough part when you run through a division and then you got people leaving and retiring. Yeah, yeah I know. I mean, John's in the same uh, position at light heavyweight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, it's absolutely wild. To see that you know how dominant she's come in such a short amount of time, so obviously that one I want to say Nunez in the second. Uh huh. Easy. No, oh, yeah, Nunez is going to win this one. Yep. So, Pad, let's go to our co-main events. Uh-huh. Well, or, I mean, we have you know the second of our co-main events. Yep. Uh, so the next matchup we have is for the featherweight championship between uh, the champion Max Holloway versus Alexander Volkanovsky. And I tell you what, guys, something in this has got to give. Uh, Max Holloway in his professional uh, record, mixed martial arts record, is in 25 matches. He is 21 and four, uh, and then Alexander Volkanovsky in his professional record in 21 matches is 20 and one. That one loss came coming way back when in the in May of 2013 for the Australian Fighting Championship way in uh, Melbourne, Australia. Coach, you have any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, obviously Holloway right now is going to be a a bigger, taller, longer fighter than what uh, Alexander, I'm not even going to try, Volonovsky, Volonovsky, you know, is going to be. So, you know, when you talk about a a game of numbers and reach being an ultimate factor, you know, that's going to be tough ultimately for uh, Volonovsky to try and have to keep this fight close and possibly take it to the ground because, I mean, that's when reach does not matter. 
<coughs> excuse me. No, yeah, I definitely think Alexander's got a chance at, at winning this. You know, every fighter does. But I just think you look at Max Holloway and his record and who he's beaten. Like, yeah, you know, Alexander, I'm not counting you out. I think he got a shot. But you just look at the the repertoire and, and just the record of who he's run through uh, in, in Max Holloway and beat, winning. Yeah, this is going to be a, a tough task for Vol- Volkanovski. It's not to say it's all Roma thought. I mean, he did take Jose Aldo to the decision. He retired Chad Mendez. Yep. Darren Elkins had a you know he won by decision, and it's not going to be a pretty fight by any means. So his best bet is to grapple him and try getting him against the cage. And do what you can against him. Right. And like we said, Alexander's got a chance. But you look, you know, Holloway's beaten, you know, uh, Cub Swanson, Charles Oliveira, Jeremy Stevens, Ricardo Lamas, Anthony Pettis, Jose Aldo twice, Brian Ortega, Frankie Edgar. Yeah. Those are some names. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, right now, Max is just on a different level. And this is going to be a true challenge for him. Because, like I said, his his only loss recently has been his step up to lightweight. Right. Where he looked like a skinny lightweight. Mm Mm-hmm. Which frightened me a little, a little bit scary well i figured that the extra weight would have helped him sure i mean i know that sometimes he struggles with 145 but he always makes weight he, like he hasn't missed it and he doesn't miss a beat once he's in the cage i mean his striking is on point his grappling is great so for him he's gonna have a really tough task on his hands i don't doubt that this goes to decision right I, I can also see it being like a late fourth maybe early fifth like stoppage yeah just maxi baby is gonna go absolutely crazy with the strikes and he gets stronger as the rounds go on mm-hmm. so I, I that's why i say i think max is gonna win fourth round tko stoppage okay give him my pick great so now let's get to the main event uh-huh coach my man your man is fighting usman kamal usman Colby Covington for the, for the welterweight championship. Oh, yeah. shit, Covington. Yeah. I said it. Usman's going to defend me, though. I'm not going to try and fight him. Uh, just for the records, uh, Kamaru Usman coming into this fight in 16 professional matches, 15-1. and one. Uh, His one loss coming way back in uh, May 24th of 2013 uh, for uh, a federation called CFA and their 11th uh, fuck card. Uh, Colby Covington, 16 professional matches. He is also 15-1. and one. His one loss coming back uh, against Warley Alves. Uh, he lost by submission way back in UFC 194 in December of 20. 2015. Ironically, each of those, the other one beat. Yeah. So, you know, you almost feel even keel <clears throat> yeah. when you talk about this fight. You definitely have to, Kamaru Usman. I mean, what can you say about the, him? The dude, I mean, first off, Ken, I'm sorry to cut you like that, but first off, you know that Usman is angry as shit. Yeah. And yeah. what more angry or anger does he need than staring at Colby Covington's face? Because it enrages me. So I couldn't even imagine a man much, 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 much more dangerous than me and Usman having to stare at him across the octagon. My God, there better be uh, the, whoever is refing that fight better be prepared to stop it once Usman punches him in the face and knocks him unconscious. So they might need like Big John or someone, something like because that. Because he will not stop. He will not pull off. He, I mean, those body shots to Woodley mm-hmm. still hurt me. I'm still feeling those effects from that fight. Yeah. For Usman, I mean, he made himself a legend. I mean, he's been on a hell of a win streak. I mean, Leon Edwards. He scares the shit out of me. (laughs) Legit. Like, I'm not kidding when I say the man literally strikes fear in my face. Yeah. I, I would never, ever step in the octagon with him for whatever reason. You could say, Sean, million dollars, five minutes, Usman in the cage. And I would say... 
take your money back. <laughs> I mean, it's I not worth the pain and suffering. I mean, they gave the one guy in the Entourage movie better odds against Ronda Rousey. That was like 60 seconds. Yeah, Dude. Tur- yeah, Turtle had a last 60 seconds. He would literally break my ribcage. Yeah. Usman striking is frightening, Yeah, to say the least. And the fight that we're talking is the Tyrone Woodley fight, mm. where it's just the sheer sound of the body shots my he was giving God. Woodley. Yeah. And the fact that Woodley stayed in that fight, too. I mean, kudos to him. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm, not, I'm definitely not, no, no, not but, knocking no. Woodley, but no, my but God. Ju- that was just sheer terror that oh. he was unleashing. Yeah. It was I like, am. I mean, I could only compare it to Rocky when, mm. you know, uh, yeah. they were in the corner and Mick's like, work the body. Oh, and here he is. Boom, boom. Just these savage shots to the ribs. It sounded like shotguns were going oh, off. And, oh, yeah. And it's it was just it's literally I I'm thinking back to it just cringing. Yeah, it was downright frightening to say the least. Yeah. I can't believe like an average man like or a lesser fighter would have 100 percent said I can't like he would have taken one more especially once that like I think it was his left rib cage yeah was completely remember how black it was yeah yeah like I mean it was literally bruised to the point where it was like petrified almost yeah yeah just the the camera angle on woodley there it just looked absolutely just like it, it almost looked like it was broken yeah yeah just like sheer like you thought yeah. you saw the bones was coming out like that's what we we're saying yeah. like, not so pretty. what do you think he's looking. gonna do to covington's ribcage well i think that he is going to absolutely maul him oh yeah but the question you're going to have on him is can usman deal with covington's pace right that's the fight right there in a nutshell because Robbie Lawler couldn't handle it. Rafael Dos Anjos couldn't handle it. Damian Maya couldn't handle it. And the list goes on and on. Colby Covington has become a character of himself. Yeah, he, I mean. He, he, and let's let's face it. He, yeah. he is the, um, dare I say, the bizarro Chael Sonnen. I think that'd probably be the easiest way to put it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Because uh, instead of going for entertaining trash talk, he's going for insulting trash talk. Yeah. Yeah, it's really like... Because like, cause with Chael, it was really, like you were sitting there going, wait, what did you just say? But it was in a funny way. Yeah, and Chael was like chirping off such wild stuff that you were just like, wait, what did I just hear? Yeah. Like this guy's like, it's, you know, it's heel heat, but it's go away heel heat. Yeah, it's go away heel heat in the wrestling terms. Uh, obviously, he's kind of made his character... Uh, taking a political stance with Donald Trump and and that whole nonsense. He's really become a character instead of a fighter, but the one thing that you can't deny about him is he can actually fight. Sure. Mm -hmm. The Robbie Lawler fight was proof in point right there. His pacing will just match up and give Usman struggles. I don't think this is going to be as easy as it's going to sound, but I think Usman is ultimately going to win. Yeah. But the thing is, I think he's going to lose the early rounds. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I think Covington is going to come in there. He's going to really try pressing him against the cage so Usman can't get that big shot off. Right. And I think he's going to give Usman some problems early. However, I think that that pacing, Usman's going to tag him late because Lawler started tagging Covington a little later in that fight right. that they had. Usman throws a lot harder than Lawler does at this stage. <laughs> yeah, you could say that yeah. again. So to say that is an understatement. He's really going to be throwing some hands. I think Usman does get the W here. I think it's going to be late. I think he's going to lose a couple rounds, but <clears throat> I, I think he ultimately either gets this by split decision or he gets the stoppage in the fifth. There's, there's two things that wrestlers have. 
Mm-hmm. It's that nonstop pace and just the ability to just wear and tear on you. Like just the the sheer them body weight weighing on you, covering your mouth, all those little finer nuanced tricks. Mm-hmm. But then there are the the one way to counter them, and that is punching them in the face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You keep this game, if you keep that fight up, and you can keep it to a strike battle. Now, which I mean, this is why Khabib has now worked on his striking because that he knew that was the weakest part of his game. Mm. John, all he had was wrestling back when he beat Rua, and mm. now look, he's involved to the point where he doesn't even wrestle anymore. Yeah. So, you know, you talk about the only way to stop a wrestler is punching him in the face, and that is exactly what Usman can do. Uh huh. Punch you in the face. Well, that's all he's got to do. Yeah. And he's got to connect on Colby. The only thing, like I said, is going to be the pacing of Colby striking. Because, I mean, how many strikes did he throw in the Lawler fight? Oh, God. 500? It was an absurd amount. Yeah, it was like 500 strikes. If he can weather that storm and land that big shot, which I think he can, because he's going to come in there with a lot of anger. And, like I said. Wait, what? He is? Oh, <laughs> he's going to come in there with some bad intentions. Colby needs to prove that all that talk can be backed I, up. I just think, like, if I'm going to fight Usman, I'm not sitting here screaming MAGA in his face, and I'm saying, like, do you want to get coffee sometime? Like, can we be friends? Maybe lighten you up a little bit? Like, let's hang out, you know? Like, I'm not angering him any more than he already is. Yeah, that's, the, that's <laughs> and that's that, the whole thing. because That is fueling coal into the fire. Did anybody not learn from Ben Askren that maybe you don't do that to certain fighters? No. Or yeah. Masvidal retired him, Yeah, essentially. Yeah. No, that, he, no, there's no essentially he did retire. Well, he is retired now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that fight definitely changed the course of history for him. For Covington, like I said, for all your the antics he does, and like I say, you, you everybody has an opinion about him. He's got to back him up, but mm-hmm. I think he did it to the wrong guy. Yeah. I think this time this was the person you should not do this to. I'll say you can, you can talk trash and you can, you know, bleep talk to a guy and that's fine, but then you do it to the one person you really shouldn't who can match you and might be even better than you and you and you find out. Yeah, because you take a look back at the Woodley fight and then he had no problem with Woodley and just like how coach was talking about how badly <laughs> yeah. how badly those rib cages looked yeah. on Woodley. Well, he was just projecting at this point. He was just like, you know what? I'm going to pick – I'm going to pretend you're this guy who I'm mad at, and now you're him, and I'm just going to hurt you. Yeah, and just like I said, the the ring work he did, I mean, it almost looked like the, his rib was going to start popping out of his I, skin. Like, That's, even, mm-hmm. the, even the press conference, like the post-fight presser, he still was angry. Like, he yeah. still – you know, once his daughter came in, he eased up a little bit. But that initial, like, you know, three, four sentences that he got off, like, I was like, okay. Yeah. Yep. Never going to see you. Exactly. Never looking to fight you. And for Covington, he has not stopped his trash talk, and he's taken it to a whole other level. Yeah, pass. Yeah, then now I think you've made a grave mistake, but you need to back it up in the cage, and if you can outpace Usman, you got a chance to win. I just don't think you're going to do it. So let us know what you think this Saturday night. Hashtag ODPH UFC 245 is happening. ESPN Plus in the States, wherever you watch the UFC fights overseas, Give us your predictions. Hit us up on the social media. We definitely want to hear what you got for the fights. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Vince, the Colin Man Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the Citro 7's up-and-coming newest podcast. Your heart. 
coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Coach Duffy, we're going to give the disclaimer because I know you got a lot to say about this. Does he, though? The thoughts, views, and opinions of that of Coach Duffy concerning the New York Knicks or that of Coach Duffy. Listener discretion is advised because it doesn't represent the ODPH in any way, shape, manner, or fashion. Here we go. Let me just addend that. Uh, the thoughts, views, and opinions of Coach Duffy in maybe half of New York. I don't know. All right, fair enough. Do you want me to redo that? No. Fizdale is fired! <laughs> no, it's not cool to celebrate somebody's demise like that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, the man was – it was difficult in New York. I mean, they – first off, let's talk about why they brought him in, his relationship to premier players. That's what we talked about last week, right? When we had said on the show, he's got to go. They – you know, his relationship with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, was supposed to lead New York to this summer – this past summer to big time free agency, lead him to the promised land. Lead him to the promised land. Well, that didn't bum, come bum, to fruition bum. because LeBron went to LA two years ago. Anthony Davis went to LA with him. Kyrie and Katie opted to go to the Brooklyn, and here they were, all dolled up for the dance with no date. So already strike out on promise one. Last year, you know that they were talking about how Fizdale is a defensive minded coach. You know, that was going to pace in space, play to the, the strength of the talent, you know, try and increase the Knicks' ability to shoot threes as they were one of the worst teams in the league at shooting threes. That didn't prove at all. They were still in the bottom half of the league in three-point shooting. So not just field goal percentage, but literally shots taken in a game. Um, you know, and now you lead to this year, and this team's abysmal. It's a loss. Defensively, they're terrible. Offensively, it's a mess. And... You know, ultimately, Fizdale had to go. Now, the way that they fired Fizdale, though, I do not agree with. Yeah. Okay. Firing him after he runs a full practice. Ooh. A full team practice. Ooh. And then have a meeting and then fire him. That ain't good. That's not cool. No. Definitely not a good look. I mean, let's say Fizdale was not the guy that we thought he was going to be. No way, shape, or form. But to get run out like he did... Not another good look for the Knicks. And to boot, the way that you introduce your new interim head coach by bringing him in at a press conference yeah, without any introduction, without Perry or Mills being in the building, and you just throw him to the lion's den of the media. Well, I feel like that, what a joke. I feel like that just perfectly encapsulates what it is to be the New York Knicks for the last 15 plus years. I, yeah. I mean that would be close enough. Like like if you want to like if you point you somebody new to the NBA and they go, "You know, everyone talks about how good the Knicks used to be. Why are they so bad?" Like if you might there might be a couple points you things you can point to, but you could point at this and go, "They introduced their interim head coach without any of the front office staff there to do the introductions and they just pushed him out into the room and fed him to the Lions." Yeah, I mean, it was definitely not the best idea. And like I said, the Knicks are kind of in flux right now and just how they I did mean, this. in flux is in kind That's of an play. understatement. Well, just, it's, it's a play way to be about it. But, but it, again, though, it's the same thing that it's just rinse, wash, repeat. Or wash, rinse, wash, wash rinse, rinse, repeat. That's all it is. I yeah. mean, it is literally just a – we are on a cycle – it, I mean, I uh, was talking to a buddy talking about something completely unrelated, but it actually applies to this very well. This is a bad relationship. This mm. is like that girl or guy for anybody out there that you date and you know that you two do not mix together, but yet you keep breaking up two days later, giving that phone call and saying, I'm sorry for what I did. Let's get back together. Yeah. Or I'm sorry. I forgive you for what you did. I'll take you back. And that's what this is because at this point, 
It is a Travis mockery. This, Jerry Jones, everybody else, this is the poorest, worst-ran franchise in all of sports. Yeah. Now across everything, from baseball to soccer to EuroLeague soccer, EuroLeague football to rugby teams to everywhere, this is the worst single-hand-ran franchise in all of sports. And then, I mean, uh, you know who I feel for in all of this, though, is Mike Miller. Yeah. I... Uh, it's just not fair. He is literally put into a position where he has zero chance of retaining this job. And I think the Knicks want that too because the early rumor I've been hearing. Oh yeah, I was hope I was going to bring that up if you were going to talk about. It. Go ahead. But yeah, the Miller. I mean, he has no chance to win. He's going to need to pull a miracle out to make something happen. Yeah. But it's not going to happen. I'm not even drinking that Kool Aid. Nope. That this is only holding place till Jason Kidd oh. comes to the Knicks, and then the false hope is planted that Again. Giannis. Is going to leave Milwaukee to come because Jason Kidd's the head coach. I mean, it's just it's like Coach said, it's wash, rinse, repeat. I mean, you have a you have a new head coach come in, maybe even an interim because I know when they had Mike Woodson there, they went on a bit of a run and and people were real excited about that. But you have somebody new at the helm, be it a full time head coach or interim head coach, you go on a bit of a run. Things are looking good. You're looking optimistic. You're thinking you're going to bring in some free agents. And then, you know, the season doesn't finish off quite how you'd like it to. You don't make the playoffs. And then you get in, all right, hey, listen, we didn't make the playoffs. We're going to make some good moves in free agency. We're going to maybe add two, maybe one or two big-name, you know, five-star players. And then we're going to bring in some big, you know, key pieces, you know, some shooting guards or some forwards. You know, we're going to build a really good team. And then you don't get those. And then you go, hey, you know what? There's always the draft. And then you don't get the draft piece. And it just literally feels like we're in the same cycle. Yeah. I mean, it's just – it's insane to think. you Your plan before was bring in a coach that was going to entice major free agents to come sign for you because they want to play for him. Mm-hmm. It is insane, which is what, – what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, thinking it's going to work. Yeah. So it is literally insane saying we're going to bring in Jason Kidd to entice X free agent. Yeah. It's absolutely – it's just – it's not going to work. I mean, at this point – I literally, I don't know if I can do it anymore. Right. I I'm I'm contemplating turning in my fan card. Ooh. I can't do this anymore. It's it's not it's not even it's not it's not even fair. It's not fair, and it doesn't. It just it's, the only thing is question is what are they talking about in the Knicks front office that is making this sound like this is going to work? They're and talking about how it's Friday night Knicks. They can talk about that all they want, but they're not in the time machine. Like they need to do something completely drastic to reinvigorize this franchise. I mean, it's like at this point, you know, obviously uh, dreams of like getting like a Thibodeau or you know somebody of that nature to come in and try and put in a culture yeah. in New York. I, those days are long gone. You know, if Donnie Walsh couldn't do it and and do all the things that he had implemented, which were the closest that w- the Knicks or at least us as fans will ever be to having a, a, fran- a team ran well with Dolan being the owner, there there is no hope. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to sell out and become a Nets fan. I'm just saying, like, I, I can't do this anymore. It I, sucks. I wouldn't necessarily maybe turn it turn and go as extreme as turn in your fan card and not be no longer root for the Knicks. I would still hold on to that, just maybe pull back a little bit and go, you know what? I'm not gonna pay. Not gonna pay attention to it's, him for a while. It's It's been a long. It's been a long, 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 it, it, hard road. It's it's a long, hard road that we all walk as Knicks fans. That and, we 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 just don't have that structure of leadership that, for example, the Lakers have. 
like the the Golden State Warriors have. You they, know, you like for fans of teams that are bad, like they can like they can hang their hat on like, all right, well we have this. For, you know, we've got this. Cleveland like, is prime example. Yeah, like we have X in place. Like we're gonna be okay. Like we can trust this person. Like you can't. You got nothing. Like you have R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson, and that is it. I mean, Kevin Knox is barely playing right now. Like, you know, so you can't even say, all right, like the core three are there. Trier's barely getting, you know, any minutes. Nilakina now is probably going to get moved back to the bench that Alfred Payton's playing well. So it's like, you know, and it's going to be more of the same next year because all these guys are signed to two-year deals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's Hawks of making trades. What are you going to trade for? You know, you're going to trade, what, you're going to try and make a play for Bradley Beal? That's that's not the answer, nope. you know. I mean, so it's just going to be this over and over and over and over and over again. That's why I've said, you know, for the culture to truly change with the Knicks, you've got to get a new owner in there. Now, I don't know what you got to do to get James Dolan out of there because Lord knows he's got no ish reason to sell the team now. But you got to get a new owner in there, you, you know, because that's the thing is you know, when the Yankees got rid of Joe Torre. As shocking as it was, you had to get some new blood in there. You had to get a new voice in there. The same can be said from the top down with the Knicks. Dolan's been the head of that that organization since the, the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to get somebody new in there, somebody who gives a crap and wants to bring the Knicks back to what they were no, and all, what they can be. All Dolan needs to do is stop hiring his friends. Yeah. He, needs yeah. to, he needs to. But as we've seen, though, he likes surrounding himself with yeah, yes people. He That's loves the yes men. He loves them. That's the problem, that once you do that, you've already it's defeated just, yourself. It's just so funny because he has both the Rangers and the Knicks, and he meddles. Not, he doesn't even he has nowhere touch near the, the Rangers. Rangers. For as much as, as bad right now as the Rangers have been in, in this attempted rebuild that they're doing mm. this like hey we're rebuilding but we're uh competing you know that 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 garbage that they're doing over there no 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 go ahead do do your thing over there you know rangers team you're fine but no 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 next i i can't let you tear down to rebuild no I, no no because I, I, I think for him it's the set no offense to the rangers i love the rangers it's the sexier of the two, you know, commodities. Well, if, right. if if you've got a a very nice Lamborghini in your in your uh, garage, but then you've also got the really fancy brand new Bugatti, whatever the heck the thing is called, that's three point six million dollars. Which one do you think you're going to take on the road yeah. and show off? Yeah, I get it. It, it. it all comes down to this: for New York sports, the Rangers are the less tier of all the professional teams. But they are still a big fish in a big pond. Right. And and the thing with we shouldn't, like I said, shouldn't crap on the Rangers. They have their fan base. They are very popular in New York. Yeah. But if you ask New Yorkers what their favorite teams are, more people are going to say Knicks than I think would say Rangers. Yeah, because is the basketball mecca in the world is New York. The fact that the Knicks have been mediocre for this long is atrocious and is unacceptable. But the problem stems from Dolan. Right. And until Dolan starts getting shown up in public. Like I said, it's the PCU clause, which I, which you have to see the movie to understand because if you can make him look that bad in public that he has to get forced to sell the team, that's when you're only going to see real change because I can't for the life of me see Giannis coming here just because a head coach is here. No. The only way that he might come here, and, and know what I'm saying, but I'm not drinking Kool-Aid when I'm saying this, is if he sees legacy in the ultimate rebuild to come to New York and raise it back to prominence. Because if you win one chip 
as a New York Nick, you are a legend. Yeah, I, and they'd have to sell him on that. Yeah, that's that is your selling point. You can win in Milwaukee, sure. Win in Milwaukee because you know Ka- Kawhi the, just did it in Toronto. Yeah, and you it, can do it for a small market, but if you win in New York, and the only way I think they can sell that is if they can somehow, and I don't know if he'd believe this or not, because I'm not Giannis, I'm not one of his friends or family members, is in this you know supposed hypothetical meeting. You go, listen, you come to New York, you win a chip, you all but guarantee a spot in the Hall of Fame. No, I've decided. I've given up. I have no hope. I've, I'm a lost cause. My glass is half empty. There's my, no there's no hope. My glass is still on the table. My glass is on the table, but there's no hope. I just I'm just I while we were just talking, I'm I'm running through all the great memories and fondness that I had of growing up and just watching nineties Knicks basketball and seeing John Starks and and Greg Anthony and Doc Rivers and you know, Mark Jackson and Patrick Ewing and and all these guys just putting their blood, sweat, and tears in that '90s run that was so magical, mm. and and then Allen Houston playing on one leg because his knee, you know, Latrell Sprewell, you know, LJ hitting the four point shot, and it'll never happen again. No, it it's will, just it's never just say never. It, no, it, I mean, no, but it will. It, but arguably, it will not happen under the Dolan era because the ship. Right, is, and he's not selling. No, so yeah. the, well, here's here's I guess here's the way I look at it. For him. To really get the message that the team is in trouble, he's got to lose the back pages of the New York papers. He has to really hear it from the media, and then because once the media starts spinning that story, it's going to affect the people that support the team, the fans. So it's not going to be till next year then, because once KD and and Kyrie are right. in full effect, yeah. then that's when Brooklyn will when, really take when off. Brooklyn goes if Brooklyn goes on the run and they lose the back page of the Post, and you start seeing people. Stop going as much to the Knicks because let's face it, people are always going to go to the Knicks games. It's New York; it's a sporting event. It is an event to just be shown off as you know, a celebrity as a, at a game. When they start losing the Garden to Brooklyn, and they really have a swing of momentum that they get shown up, that's when Dolan's going to hit the panic button. You, you know who I feel for the most is Spike Lee. Yeah, I yeah. Agree. just got so hard. I mean, yeah. season ticket holder. I mean, uh, uh, New York Knicks fan through and through. Seen it all from the top to the bottom, and now he's having to live out. You know, not that he's dying tomorrow, but I mean, he's in the last third of his life in theory, and yeah. he's having to watch his beloved Knicks go through this. Well, I mean, to the point where it's even you know his his fandom or his rooting for the Knicks is a joke. I remember, I forget what awards uh, thing he was at. Oh, the Academy Awards. He was, at, he was at Jackson. He, yeah, he was at the Academy Awards, and I think it was like the night the Knicks got the draft pick or or it was something to do with the Knicks. And and somebody got on stage and was like, Samuel hey, L. Jackson. Sam Jackson yeah. got up on stage and told them how the Knicks did, and they they lost or something like that. It was it was wild. It's it's going to be a wild scenario no matter what for the Knicks until <laughs> Dolan gets the message and like I said it's going to have to take a public outcry that hits him in the wallet to really make that message get hit home because let's face it it's not going to hit right now Fizdale was not the guy Mike Miller is not the guy is it Jason Kidd I don't think so no but <laughs> but the only pipe dream if you want to sell something is if you can convince Giannis or a superstar of his caliber, if there's going to be one out there, to come to New York and sell it on the image. That if you can come here and you can win, take a look at LeBron going back to Cleveland. And he didn't have to go back. You know, At the time, greatest player in basketball in the world. He didn't have to go back. But now, 
that one championship in Cleveland outweighs anything else he's going to do his rest of his career. The same can be said for the Knicks if he can, if a player can come in there and bring a chip home there. Yeah, but somebody's got to come there first. Somebody's got to come there first, but if not now, when? That's going to be the question to answer. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about Fizdale not being a Nick? Anymore? Try and make me feel better about being a Knicks fan. Yeah. Try making Coach feel better. This, so, was, this was deflating. Yep. And sell it and sell him on your team. Do you think he should jump bandwagon to your team? I might listen. I'm not going to be like that guy that became a Lakers fan. I'm not going to be bought. I'm just saying, listen, like, I got, I got a wild proposition for you. Root for the Sacramento Kings. I let me just say, I'm thankful that I don't get MSG. Uh, there you go. Okay. There you go. So hit Coach up. Let him know what your thoughts are of the New York Knicks and about how everybody else is doing in the NBA because he's going to start stop watching pretty soon. So we got to start talking about some other team on here. Who should we be covering? The Lakers, Golden State. We're not covering Brooklyn because we can't do that. But definitely hit us up. Let us know. Charlotte Hornets. And we'll go from there. Coach is so dis- disgusted right now. It's not even funny. Next segment, please. So let's get the break, shall we? Hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. So let's bring the energy back up for this final segment of the ODPH podcast pad. Kick us off with that local minute. Well, if we're talking local minute, of course, we're talking Binghamton Devils hockey. Uh, Looking at their games from last week, uh, they went up to Providence to play the Bruins, and they lost by the final score of 6-2. Then they traveled up to Hartford to play the Wolfpack and lost by the final score of uh, 5-2. Looking at their games for this week, they uh, play Hartford again on Wednesday, December 11th uh, at 7 p.m. Up That's up in Hartford. Uh, After that, they go to Springfield to play the Thunderbirds at game time 7.05. That is on Friday. And then Saturday, they return home. Home uh, game time seven oh five against the Utica Comets. It is Teddy Bear Toss Night. So if you want to, if you are in the Binghamton area and you go to that game, bring as many new or used teddy bears. Uh, and when the uh, Devils score their first goal, no, I say the Devils score their first goal. Not if you know Utica scores a goal. No, wait till the Devils score a goal. Toss your teddy bears on the ice, and then they go to a good cause. Has there ever been a shootout, or I mean a shutout at a Teddy Bear Toss? I would hope not. I really hope not either. I would hope not because then then you just got to toss them for nothing. Yeah, because I, I just know how the Devils were outscored this past weekend. Yeah. So that kind of makes me a little worrisome. So guys, yeah. step it up. It's for a great cause. Yes. So get on that. I'm going to bring the energy back up because I know we're talking some down topics right now. BinghamtonDevils.com for more information on that. So make sure you bring some teddy bears out. And guys, you better put up a biscuit goal. Bring it back. Six 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 game win or six goal win. Yeah. Let's see, I'm kind of amped up. I think up it's again. down to four goals now for a biscuit or Pretty four or what? five. It's like four or five or something uh, like that. Make it worthwhile. Hit, get that six number. Coach Binghamton Bulldogs. Binghamton Bulldogs played this past weekend, beating Elmira at home. Uh, a little bit of an unfortunate situation with the Bulldogs. Trey, Gell- Trey Kelly going down with uh, an apparent leg injury, uh, a serious leg injury. So we are hoping for uh, nothing but the best for him Definitely and a speedy, speedy recovery. recovery. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that that game, uh, you know, unfortunately sounded like it ended a little short and with Trey's injury. So hopefully he can bounce back and beat a full speed. Right now ranked four nationally. 
Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, that's great. (laughs) No, that's an upside, especially for how they've been playing, especially with that egregious loss. Egregious. Blowing the 16-point lead with Oneana. Yeah, Yeah, it's a tough break. So it's a tough break, but it sounds like the Bulldogs have bounced back and obviously speedy and healthy recovery wishes to Trey right now. Yes, and uh, we're still on our countdown to Cuse. Exactly. Still on the countdown of that big game. And finally, their next game looks like they are off this week, so they are playing December 21st versus Westchester. That is a 7.05 game. Still playing at home, still yet to have an away game. Uh, for more information, BinghamtonBulldogs.com or check their active Facebook. Yes, active. Very, active. very active. So, Pad, why don't you round those bases? Well, let's uh, round the bases. Of course, we're going to talk a little baseball. Uh, since we last recorded, of course, Zach Wheeler signed a deal to go to the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, Steven Strasburg set the record for contract uh, with and remained with the Washington Nationals. Uh, what was it? Seven years, two fifty-four. Seven years, two hundred forty-five million dollars. I need a Coach Duffy take. I'm on not that. even. No, I'm not going to get into it because I'm trying to build myself back up. To, I'm not to turn, hear, turn to, my headset off to hear his take on this refer back to when Bryce Harper signed his yes, contract Yes, exactly what year. I texted you because yes. this yeah. is ridiculous. It, no, it really is and I get he's a good pitcher. I get he just won the world MVP for the he World Series. He plays every five days. Right, and the thing of it is, is it's a seven-year deal. He's 31 years old. It's not the best deal. It's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's got some backloaded money with interest. I should what? Note. Yeah, no, it's got. he's got like $80 million or something like that oh that is backloaded. Oh, my God. Yeah, so the, the Nationals might have uh, done themselves dirty a little bit on this one. but And then crushing Yankees hurts a little bit. Uh, Didi Gregorius has signed a one-year $14 million deal to go to the Philadelphia Phillies as well. Uh, looking at some free agents they might need to... Where, fi- where are they getting this money from? Are these printing money in the locker rooms? Apparently. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at some free agents, uh, according to ESPN.com. Nobody's really jumping out at me. It's like, oh, you got to go get this guy to fill in Gregorius' spot. So my guess is the Yankees will just move some... They've got enough guys on the infield that can play like every possession. They'll yeah. just move guys around. Uh, do you, like, you don't even make enough revenue to pay for half of these players. Where is the money coming from? This is the problem with baseball. It's insane. Yeah, and you want... I'll even make you sicker. No, please. Oh, let's go sink that battleship. Yeah. So what's the rumored contract that is allegedly going around for Garrett Cole right well, now. Well, so let's build this up a little bit. Another pitcher, Coach. Another pitcher. Uh, great pitcher. Had two of the best statistical years uh, this year and last year in baseball history. Uh, getting called by some folks, not myself, the greatest free agent of all time. His agent's oh, calling him that because I am not yeah, calling him yeah. that. Oh I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, he's had two great statistical years. He's, you know, 29 or 30 years old or something like that. Uh, the Yankees, Angels, and even the New York Highlanders are in conversations to, to sign this man. Uh, you know, John Heyman is saying there's a mystery team involved in, in the New York Post is saying it's the Astros. But, you know, any talk, no one's really sure where Garrett Cole is going to land it. But, Signs are pointing to the fact that it's going to be New York and that it's there are talks that it's going to eclipse, quote unquote, uh, Steven Strasburg's contract. And there are talks that it could go over three hundred million. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I will lose my shit if that happens. That is re fucking ridiculous. That is so much money for a guy who pitches for not even six innings. Three hundred million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, coach. I can't. No, the the sport is ridiculous. Somebody needs to step in and like get a hold of these people. Where does the money? Ken, ser- seriously, this is a serious question. Yeah, no. Where do they get the money to pay for them? It's simple. 
the fans because well, we're fan, going to be the ones getting screwed out of it well, by ticket money increased and and they don't. The fa- well, the Yankees also own a, the biggest sports network in the tri-state area. All right, all right. Yeah, so they, I get them. They own a TV I'm, channel. I'm talking like the Philadelphia, you know, the, the, the Philly. I'm talking about Pittsburgh. I'm talking about those teams. The the Angels. Where is that money coming from? Where it? How? How? Who? Yeah. Who? Yeah. Like, who? Like, a, how? I'll, I'll say this. The, the Strasburg deal in terms of years doesn't make any sense to me because, like I said, he's 31 years old right now as we record. You're telling me that you're going to get MVP, World Series winning caliber pitching out of this guy when he's sitting there near 40. Yeah, good luck. You know, having, yeah. having a seven-year deal for Cole, no matter who he lands with, makes all the sense in the world to me because you are getting this guy in his prime. There is no way. Like, I mean... They're, first off, their stadiums don't host a hundred thousand people, or damn near close to it, like NFL games do. So, first, I mean, how, what's the average attendance for a baseball game? Like forty thousand? Depends on the stadium. Okay, yeah. so let's just say about forty thousand. There's no way that merchandise is flying off the shelves enough to bring in revenue. Okay, yeah, you got a TV deal, but it can't be that lucrative that you can. It just doesn't make any sense. No, that's insanity. It, <laughs> where does the money come from? Where's the money? Is it, The fans are going to be the ones paying for this in the long run. I mean, here's the thing. According to Forbes.com, uh, this now this number was calculated in April of this year. Uh, the team is worth $4.6 billion. Uh, slight return on investment. The team was bought by the Steinbrenner family for $8.8 million. Yeah, that looks like a good deal. Uh, their yeah. revenue is listed at $668 million. Uh, they have an operating income of $29 million. Uh, their player expenses are $193 million. Uh, gate receipts. What? Are, gate receipts are two hundred and eighty-four million dollars. Where are per, you making money? Revenue per fan, uh, sixty-two dollars per fan. <laughs> so let that sink in, Coach. It's going to get worse because once once that Garrett Cole contract gets signed, I want you to hit Twitter. It doesn't make sense. I I'm sorry. I know that there are people that are out there that love baseball, and I know that. I don't hate baseball because I play lacrosse. I hate baseball because of the fact that there is a guy who plays every five days that's going to make $300 million to pitch six innings, roughly about 100 pitches, and then go put a jacket on and hang out. His arm is worth more than 90% of people in the world that work daily. His arm. Uh, here's where they get a little bit of their money. All uh, right, go ahead. Yes, so yeah, yes, network. I know. Yes, network to for the TV networks or whatever to to have them. Uh, they their monthly affiliate fee is six dollars and thirty seven cents. Him clipping your finger, his fingernails, is more expensive than your entire salary out there, people. Just so you know, his one fingernail. And this is why baseball is lagging behind football. As the national pastime. It's crazy. Anybody who chooses to play football over baseball is a fucking idiot, by the way. Kyler Murray. Uh, I mean, Russell Wilson comes to mind. Like, you guys are dumb. Yeah. You uh, you could have played five years in Major League Baseball and made $400 million. Funny side story. Uh, Ken knows this answer. Don't answer. Who owns the baseball rights to Russell Wilson? The Yankees, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Yeah, Russell Wilson is uh, his his rights got traded from I want to say it was the Rangers. You to are Yankees. dumb. Not only are you getting your brains kicked in daily for a mediocre, probably ninety million dollars chump change to a major league player, but then you're getting their head rocked in for seventeen weeks of the season. I mean, the thing is, like with baseball and football to a degree, there's no guarantee. Like, so when you're these players. I can't fault him on their choice because it's literally a coin flip. You look at Kyler Murray, who's going to make God knows what amount of money. It's still early in his career. But then you got a guy like Adam Jones of the Baltimore Orioles who just signed with a Japanese team over in Japan to play. Mm-hmm. You know, if the number I read was right, made something in the course of like 90 some odd million dollars over the course of his career, which has got to be around 10 plus years. Yeah. You know, so, okay, yeah, it's less risky in baseball, but it's no guarantee that you'll even make the majors. Right. Well, no, I mean, I get that. Listen, there. I mean, there's a dude right now riding a bus to some Penn League game who literally had to fill the team bus up on his credit card because the team ran out of money. Probably did happen. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's <laughs> I, mean of, I wouldn't be surprised. It, it's one of the rumors you hear about, you know, baseball. But it, it goes back to bringing it back full circle, though. It's absolutely... And, crazy and they want to cut minor league teams yeah. because of operating costs yeah piss off yeah that's kind of my stance on it when garrett cole's contract gets announced coach i expect you to go fully heavy on twitter i i, I want i want to see nothing held back and i'll probably be right with you because like i agree with you i don't think this is what the problem is with baseball you have too much guaranteed money for what you're you're getting on the field, it's and it, nuts. It, it, it's nuts, and you and you wonder why people look at your sport and kind of go, "What is wrong?" With I you? mean, I get that you are playing 100, 162 games back to back to back to back. It's yeah. grueling. Everyday players, yeah, we could have an argument. All right, for. yeah, like you could you could be like, all a- right, every, you know, every, and I yeah, would still say you're crazy, but I would at least say, all right, 162 games a lot. You you can make a you can make a small argument, sure, small, but not for pitchers. That's insane. No way. No way. So, uh, congratulations, Scott Boris. You're going to pull off um, some crazy deal that is going to be looked at and is now going to be a benchmark moving forward, and I don't even want to think about that. Yeah. All right. Hey, college football. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> college football. <laughs> hey. Uh, so, I'm uh, great title games. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, LSU absolutely. I mean, I, I'm all for dominating and great performances, and Joe Burrows put that on. Yeah, I mean, he put on a clinic. He won the Heisman. With he that won one. the Heisman beating Georgia the way that he did, single-handedly, mind you. I mean, he put a whooping on Georgia. So LSU locks up the one seed. Joe Burrows locks up your Heisman. Put that stamp on it now. They're going to be playing Oklahoma. Ohio State, unfortunately, because of their lackadaisical performance against Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game, now has to face Clemson. Tough. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. Tough. I wouldn't – I mean – I think Ohio State and Chase Young, you know, the versatility that he has as far as a pass rusher, because Clemson's strength's not running the ball mm-hmm. this year like it was last year. So I think, you know, Chase Young might be able to be the, the X factor in that game, although he already is it, you know what I mean? But his pass rushing ability will help Ohio State in this game. Uh, and, and, you know, Trevor Lawrence has never played a, dynam- a dynamic pass rusher as much as Chase Young is. Because mm-hmm. this guy's, I mean, he should be the number one pick in the draft. It's going to be Joe Burrows, but it should be him. It definitely should um, be him. Some other bowl games of note: uh, the Holiday Bowl is going to be featuring Iowa versus USC. I thought that was kind of a fun matchup. Yeah. You don't really see the two of them facing off so much. Uh, no, obviously going to drop Notre Dame because that's who I care about and love. They got dogged in this after winning, uh, winning out in November. They are now facing Iowa State in the Camping World Bowl. 
Hmm. Dogged. I mean, I saw. I mean, even uh, Barstool. I saw posted. You know, their Notre Dame fan obviously must have. They wrote that Notre Dame shouldn't even accept the invite, <laughs> which I don't disagree with because. I mean, that is just disrespectful. I was hoping, like we saw talked about last week on the show, that they were going to face one of the SEC teams that didn't make uh, New Year's Six or, um, you know, one of the bigger bowls. Unfortunately, now they're playing an Iowa State team that has three losses on the year. Two of them were bad losses. One of them was a close loss to Iowa, to Iowa um, in that rivalry game. So I'm going to take Nordane by a billion in that game. Uh, then some of the other the other New Year's uh, New Year's games. Uh, you got Wisconsin, uh, the runner-up in the Big Ten, will now play Oregon in the Rose Bowl. Is Jonathan Taylor going to play? Declared for the draft. He, uh, well, I don't know. I'm going to lean no. I, I mean, it's sad that we, that's something that you got to talk about, but you got to think about it. The Sugar Bowl is now Georgia versus Baylor. The Citrus Bowl is Alabama and Michigan. I kind of I highlighted that game. That sound that that's gonna be a fun game. Yeah, this you know, two be a fun game. two interesting coaching styles and Saban and Harbaugh, you know, on the sideline against each other. That will be a lot of fun. And then the Outback Bowl is Auburn versus Minnesota. So the SEC once again locking up the Big Six, having all their top four teams in there. Blah. No, uh, just the next thing just ruined my day. I'm just blah. You know. <laughs> Sorry, Coach. But I love uh, on a positive. I love Joe Burrows. I mean, I am sold on this kid. That was a. Ton, I haven't watched a ton of LSU, but I watched that game and I was having fun watching this kid play football because he goes out there and he's just slinging it. What happens if he winds up with the Giants next year? <laughs> Listen, I saw so a uh, funny thing that they uh, wrote a story. Uh, Todd McShay said that the Giants should look at taking a quarterback if they land in the top two. And I was like, "Come on, Daniel Jones didn't play that bad." Like, but if you get a chance at Burroughs. I mean, that's I'm, the, I'm trying to cheer you up. No, I'm, I want Chase Young. I'm all on the chase for Young. What if you just What if you just forfeit all your draft picks? Go one and two. <laughs> Listen, I, I said, I said, I've been saying for like weeks, give Chase Young 92 and watch him have a Hall of Fame career, which made some Giants fans absolutely cry. And get triggered because they were like, you can't give him that. That's Strahan's number. But I was just having fun. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not saying give him 92. I'm just saying you could plug him in there and he's going to have a Hall of Fame career. I say stick to your guns. Give him 92. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, his Strahan's number should be retired. But yeah, I so I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a fun bull season. There is other games, obviously, of note. Just none of them that really sparked my interest, like the games that I mentioned. So if your team's playing in there, you want to give us a shout out and tell us to watch it and give us a reason why. I'll probably watch it because I'm a sucker for football. Yeah, because I hate baseball. <laughs> give coach that handicap. Let, <laughs> let him go. Yeah. Hey, I mean, he'll, get, he'll give you some point spreads, too, if you want to know. I mean, I won't give you. I don't know. And I mean, <laughs> I saw. Uh, oh, and the Army Navy game. Yeah, is this yes. weekend? Oh my God! I almost forgot. Uh, talking about pageantry here. We got you too worked up this episode. Yeah, I, I mean, no, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, I didn't even get a Giants ran in, and I'm still the baseball thing just took took me over. I tried segueing one in. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was. I'm not gonna talk about it. Uh, <laughs> Eli played great. Um, no, I uh, the Army Navy game is a ton of fun. If you haven't watched it, I think we talked about last year before they played. Yes, we did. The pageantry of the game, the meaning of the game, the jerseys, the rivalry, the history. You know, it's a ton of fun. You know, this is why Notre Dame plays Navy every year because of the longstanding tradition and honoring, um, you know, the, the service men and women that, you know, either cheer or play that team. So go out of your way to watch the game on CBS. 
It will bore you to death because of the offense, but it will be fun. Yeah, definitely check that. I mean, it's always one of the classic games. I already know Pad's prediction about this one. Oh, yeah? Army by like a thousand. That is not going to be the case. Navy actually has a damn good football team. Pad is not hearing that. Nope. All right. I'm telling you right now, Navy has a damn good football team. They are a legitimate... I mean, obviously, if they could run anything other than the you know two pit two offense, they might actually make it somewhere. But you know, you run that offense, and you just yeah, you you are what you are. Yeah, it is going to be a great game to watch if you've never seen it. Like I said, the pageantry and the meaning behind it, because most of these guys are not going to go to the NFL. Exactly, it, and right, the yeah. passion that yeah. they play with. If you want to see teams that are actually going out there to play for the love of the game and love of you know school, what they represent, school. Yep. I mean, that is what you're going to see, and it's always a fun time. I recommend watching it if you can, and it's probably going to be the best game of the weekend. Yeah, it would be on I normally CBS around 2-ish mm-hmm. is normally like that, yeah. kickoff. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely check that out. So for my round in the base, you know we talked about Tyrone Woodley getting bruised and battered by Car- uh, Kamaru Usman early. Like I said, he was walking around with those deep bruises on him yep. and looking like he absolutely went through a battle. Contusions. Yeah, contusions. I mean, like I said, you could see the lighting on him just made it look like his rib was popping out at one point. Like I said, yep. he was look he was just wearing the battle on him with those deep bruises. To flip it to boxing this weekend, if I told you that there was a uh, championship bout that went the decision, wouldn't you think that somebody would look like they absolutely went through war? I mean, you would think. Yeah, it didn't happen. Anthony oh, Joshua Lord. defeated uh, Ruiz by decision. Yep, the the dream Rocky run is over for Andy Ruiz. Anthony Joshua just picked him apart and didn't even look like he went through a boxing match. He came out like basically unscathed, uh, which we were rooting for him, obviously for the you know the Rocky story. But Joshua now has reclaimed his uh, unified titles and is now setting up for the winner against DeAndre Wilder and Tyson Fury. So this one, like I said, not really moving the needle, but we just took comparison. Like I said, Usman throws hands. Joshua just outpointed this one. I mean, two judges gave it a 118 to 110 and a 119 to 109 for the rounds. It just nothing behind it. Here's the thing, though. Might have not held the belt for very long, but for the rest of his life, he will forever be introduced as the former whatever, whatever, whatever. Champion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it wasn't saying like he wasn't trying to win. Yeah. Just Joshua went in there. He actually looked like he was he knew what he was doing. Just outpointed him. And won the fight. I mean, it wasn't really like a fight. Like we said, Woodley looked like he went through a battle in comparison. This one, not so much. I mean, Ruiz did look a little, you know, punctured in the face and took some shots, but nothing like super crazy like that. So, obviously, boxing's got something to look forward to next year because uh, I'm going to say this. Deontay Wilder jo- fights Joshua. Wilder's going to knock him out. Easy. Eighth round. Give me an early prediction. So let us go give us our locks and leaps to take this back home and close this out. Pad, what do you got? Uh, well, I'm going to look at the Thursday game. It worked out so well for me uh, this past week. I'm going to do a little double dipping. Uh, Thursday game this week is the Baltimore Ravens taking on the New York Jets, where currently Baltimore is a 14-point favorite. Uh, Baltimore 11-2, Jets 5-8. and eight. Uh, I think they, the Ravens are going to absolutely pick apart the Jets, and it's not going to be pretty. Uh, for my leap... You're gonna enjoy this one, Ken. Looked at a lot of games, couldn't couldn't find Give anyone. It to me. Uh, the, currently, the Pittsburgh Steelers are playing the Buffalo Bills at home, and currently Pittsburgh is a two point favorite. I think Buffalo is going to be able to pull that one off. Bless your heart. And, oh. if, and if that doesn't happen, uh, I'm going through a table next week. Hell yeah, you are. All right, Coach, who you got? Well, I will start with my leap then, because I'm sharing with Pad. I absolutely think that nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. 
I mean, two points on the road in Pittsburgh, no big deal. At least I'll have somebody to go through a table with me. They played very well against Baltimore. I think that they will match up very good against Pittsburgh. I'm not saying that they're going to put 30 on them. No. But it is definitely a game that Pitts, uh, Buffalo needs and should go and steal on the road in Pittsburgh. And my lock is going to be the Rams being the Cowboys. Okay. Rams are one-point favorite, so not a, a big spread, but... The Cowboys are lost. They are on tilt. The Rams have figured things out. They are rightening and correcting the ship right in the nick of time, right as the playoffs are rolling out here. They're going to get the ball. They're going to run the ball to Todd Gurley. They're going to set up play action. They're going to let Goff have time in the pocket. They're going to throw the ball deep, and they're going to score. I actually like them to put up 30-plus points on the Cowboys. I write down my predictions before everybody else. Coach has copied both of them. Yay! Wow. So I'm riding with you, Coach. All right, let's go. We're putting up a three this week for locks and leaps. Hey. The Rams, uh, thank you for knocking me out of two fantasy leagues this past week, but oh. I'm going to forgive it oh. if you can actually uh, show up this week and take out somebody because I have to go up against Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper in one league, so I need Ooh. some big Ram performances. Ooh. So you do that, we'll say all is forgiven. And for my leap, <laughs> hell yeah, I'm taking that all day. Buffalo showed heart against uh, Baltimore, like I said, they got favorable calls. I'll be the first one to tell you that. Josh Allen does not need to throw the ball 30 yards downfield for a short yard pass that could keep the drive going. So I hope he learns from that this week going into Seattle, or, uh, Pittsburgh on Sunday night. It's a big game, so let's circle some wagons, light some tables on fire, and then let's get that W and put it through. That is what I want to see with this. So you see in front of me, I have nothing written down. This I have is nothing. correct. This is going to go live. One take. I just have to look at one thing when I get to it. The music you heard on this episode is that of Fair City Fire. They're our friends from Austin, Texas. They have a big show this coming Wednesday they're playing. So if you want more information on that, faircityfire.com. How do you get to that, you ask? OchoDuroParleyHour.com slash music. You can find out about them. Walking Distance, uh, Shout at the Robots, Floodlands, Honker, all the great music you see in here each week on the ODPH because sometimes you're watching on YouTube. So, hey, that's how you see it. You can also check out... No longer hashtag 607 podcast. I actually did some work on the website. We now have something called the ODPH directory because we have so many friends of the show that don't do just podcasts. Because down there, you can definitely find three fat nerds. You can find Horror Zone 607. You can find 8122 Productions, which dare I say, love is scary, still worth your dollar every week. And now they put the wrestling show behind their little Patreon action going on too, where you get the unfiltered, unedited, Raw takes from one Derek, a.k.a. Big Natty Cool Diesel. Oh, boy. Oh which boy. I can't do enough justice for. You have to hear to believe. I don't even want to give a segue because I don't want to get caught in a lawsuit for what they said behind a paywall. Oh, Lord. Because Derek had an open microphone, and he decided to voice his opinion about certain wrestling organizations that are airing on Wednesday nights. WCW. Oh, wait. Sorry. Well, some have called it that. <laughs> D- Derek, Derek has went deep oh diving on that. Oh, my God. Derek has gone deep diving. I love TNA. it. Oh, you can get in there, folks. And you'll have to pay to find out. But it's a, so worth your dollar to get involved with that because they give you everything you could want there. 8122 Productions for more information on that. But on ODPH Director, you can also find out about our friends at Excite Wrestling, who just had another wild show this yeah. past weekend at the X in the Oakdale Mall locally. Uh, next month is a cage match. Matt uh-huh. Tremont versus Stockade. Oh, yeah. that is a cage match. Uh-huh. Is that a cage okay. match? All right. Yeah. So, Coach is going to be down there. We're going to be down there. Yeah, Three definitely. Fans going to be down there. there. 
Uh, it's going to be a wild night, so definitely get your tickets. ExciteWrestling.com. Little Man Finn will be in attendance as well. Yo, we'll definitely Man. don't not bring him to a wrestling show. Yo, Little Man Finn, is gonna, might, he might get in that cage. <laughs> Yo, I'm telling you, he, he can handle himself. He I, might. Sake's he got le- something to worry about. He learned a new move the other day. I taught him the old uh, lock-up to an arm bar. Ooh. Uh, he's getting it down. He's Uh-oh. getting it down. He's going to be scary. I'm telling you, Johnny Moose has that school going. He <laughs> might have a new entry coming in there. You can also find about our good friend Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming as well. We are adding more and more content providers from the 607 there that you need to find out internationally. So definitely head over to ODPH directory. Now, what happened to Ashley 607 podcast? Glad you asked. We have them on our pod chaser list on the front page of the website so you can check out hashtag 67 podcast you can check out next wave which i have to give a shout out to our friend brian at cheers to comics just transferred over to 143 podcast networks so if you're a subscriber because you heard the promo here last week you got to resubscribe to the new podcast network he has up so the link is on there on on the next wave page on Podchaser. you can also find all of our friends from pod nation it's on there as well and also parlay points the complimentary blog to the odph podcast where you'll get my takes for tlc this weekend whenever we can find out the matches yeah because we still don't know all of them yeah because that's why we didn't talk any wrestling this week because we still don't know all the matches are official allegedly vince loves putting it out the night before he loves putting all the matches out on smackdown because he thinks that increases interest yeah which i can't say it does because i'm probably gonna miss it because i'm gonna be watching the bills crush the steelers and watchmen in between i don't fault you there hey yeah so i'm gonna give you that because we got flexed yeah, we got flex. I shouldn't say we, but they got flex. Is they got we, flex. You is it, got flex. Is an ODPH flex Well, hey, we all on. picked the bills. That's true. So yeah. we all did it. The brand is 100-0, folks. We all ride together here. This is how we do on the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, because that is all we got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the Bills fan for a week, <laughs> Coach Duffy. <laughs> Circle them wagons, folks. For Padawan, I am not a Bills fan, but I'll take it for, if it will give me the leap to get ahead of Rich. Jay. Uh, coach John Calipari. Still coaching Kentucky. I'm your host, Ken M. I'm going to break some tables this week, so maybe we'll put that on YouTube. I don't know if it gets the Bills a win. I'm willing to try. Just don't be like the guy in the one video who almost broke his neck. Yo. Yeah. I am not airing that. I think I might have tweeted that, but I will tell you, don't try that at home unless you're a professional table jumper. I'm going to tell you that right now. If you're you're not squeamish. Where does one go to get a degree in such... There's got to be some place in Buffalo for that. Yeah. I mean, God, how many times have we put people through if tables? If you're not squeamish, look up the video. I'm sure you can find it. If you're squeamish, don't watch it. Yeah, we'll see if I can find you a link. Maybe. We'll have to see. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. <laughs>